High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, prom kings, prom queens, anyone who wants to go to the dance, really. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the party's at my place this evening. But first, school's still in session, and we have some homework to chat about. This was your assignment, and I would like to see the results... Homework, 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 as always, is to hit that subscribe or follow button, as I learned it was called on some some platforms. But hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. That's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if your app of choice allows, please leave us a five-star review. Please leave us a positive rating. And of course... The best thing you can do to help High School Slumber Party is by telling a friend about all the fun here you have, bi-weekly, at least for now. One more thing, you can check out High School Slumber Party on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Class participation is a huge part of your grade. I know I just said one more thing, but I have a habit of doing this. One more, one more thing. Remember, our archive is also located at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Okay, more homework as always did you listen to friday's episode it was a really fun one we talked shazam with mike manzi that was a fun movie it was better than i expected a long episode and i'm sorry guys today is also a long episode your homework was to watch the prom on netflix a new movie just came out check it out on netflix jenny o'connell is here And you know, as always, she has a lot to say. Might rub you the wrong way. I don't care. She definitely doesn't care. If you're a fan of James Corden, it's definitely going to rub you the wrong way. That's all I'm going to say. But yeah, Jenny's here. We're talking the prom. Can't wait for you to hear the episode. And apparently the school office can't wait either because the bell doesn't dismiss you. I dismiss you guys. Hang on, hang on for just one more hot second. I wanted to say I promised you some high school movie news because we had a lot of news over the last couple days, but I didn't really have time to dive into all of it this weekend. So I promise Friday we're going to break it down. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. But for now, pack your favorite jammies, tell your mother you're sleeping at Brian's because we're about to get our party on. I leave you with a song from the soundtrack to the prom. Unruly Heart. Class dismissed. Some hearts can conform, fitting the norm, flaunting their love for all to see. I try to change, thinking how easy life could be. I just kept on failing, I guess that was a 
sign that there wasn't much hope for this unruly heart of mine. Then you came along, and right or wrong, feelings began to overflow. We had to hide, thinking that no Jenny, I feel like <laughs> I feel like when we talk about Ryan Murphy, which isn't a lot, obviously, but it's not always in a good light. We'll just put it that way. Oh, yeah. Ooh. I mean, I think uh, one of the main things we've talked about in the past is that uh, random Glee moment where, again, I wasn't oh, I was a big fan of Glee, but where he, he I never a... was. <laughs> I I know I've told you this, but it's like I saw. A single episode and then the hate crime that you showed me because um <laughs> not to be over dramatic or anything like that but let's have a kiki is a hate crime i will exclude shangela uh, for any like drag race fans out there because i love shangela so i know that like she just wanted a paycheck but my god everyone involved in let's have a kiki fire them <laughs> fire them Ugh. yes yes of course there's a infamous glee moment where they cover the scissor sisters let's have a kiki but it's sarah jessica parker and i guess one of the main characters i don't know but it's just it's it's just not good it's fucking awful hey i'm calling you back oh she's been a bitch tonight and by bitch i mean this rain no calves nowhere so i had to put on the wig and the heels and the lashes and the ear and take a train to the club so I hope you're up, girl, because we are all coming over. I'll lock the door, lower the blinds, I'll light up the smoke machine, and put on your heels because I know exactly what we need. Let's have a kiki. Like, can I say that? Can I say that it's fucking awful? <laughs> because I guess to console my actor narcissist self, it's like, at least while Ryan Murphy may never love me, I'm like, you know what? I got Dan Harmon over here, you know? Just be like, Dan Harmon can hire me. We can talk about how <laughs> shitty Glee is. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to have some moments where we talk about Glee. It's going to be... Uh... Fun podcast, I'm sure. It's going to be an interesting podcast. Today, we're talking about The Prom, which just came out on Friday. I wanted to get it in. I wanted to talk about it because, I don't know, there's some buzz, both positive and negative, about it. So let's have our own little kiki here, Jenny, and discuss The Prom. (laughs) A kiki is a party for calming all your nerves. We're spilling tea and dishing just desserts when they deserve. And though the sun is rising, few may choose to leave. So shave that lid and we'll all bid adieu to your ennui. Let's have a kiki. So obviously you hadn't seen this film before Friday, because who had? But yeah, I mean, I decided to bring you on just because I guess the little Ryan Murphy thing, but this is a LGBTQ story that a lot of people had been looking forward to. It's based on a play and we'll talk all about that for sure. Normally I ask, like, when's the first time you watched it? But I want to ask something different. I want to ask, like, what had you been hearing about the prom? Had you even been familiar with the play? Like, what were your expectations before this, I suppose? 
Well, full disclosure, I didn't really know that much about the play. I think I vaguely remember an auto straddle article that was like, conservative moms protest Thanksgiving parade because of gay kiss. And I'm just like, great, whatever. <laughs> like, fuck these, these moms. But I, I didn't really seek it out because in the before times, I still didn't have money. <laughs> so I wasn't going and seeing Broadway shows. Don't get me wrong. I, I like musicals, you know, like a good musical. I'm like, that's fun. Like one of my favorite movies is Moulin Rouge. I have a soft spot, but you know, I don't have the money for Broadway. So it's like musicals I don't really pay attention to. And then most of the things that I heard about this particular movie were like corners of the internet being like, James Corden is terrible. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> agree. <laughs> I'm not surprised by that at all. I'm sure Mr. Corden's going to have a lot of our attention today. Oh, yes, yes. I'm going to try not to be too negative about everything in the film. You know, we'll try our best. Yeah, I mean, I am not trying my best with James Corden. He is a piglet and he is going to get roasted. So. <laughs> Everyone else, though, might be a little nice. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. You know, there were some people I actually ended up liking that I didn't expect to. There are some people that I'm like, you deserve better. But again, we'll get into it. This is on Netflix, guys, if I didn't mention already. Netflix notoriously does not have big descriptions when it comes to their films. So every week when I read back of DVD, back of VHS, or in this case, the Netflix summary, when it is a Netflix summary, it is not long. So here goes. A group of down-on-their-luck Broadway stars shake up a small Indiana town as they rally behind a teen who just wants to attend the prom with her girlfriend. Simple enough. Mm-hmm. This is a Ryan Murphy production. Ryan oh, Murphy. Nice. <laughs> yes, of American Horror Story fame, American Crime Story, Glee, as you mentioned. You know, Ryan Murphy is probably one of the most influential people in television yeah. in the past, what, decade and probably the decade going forward? Yeah, I mean, people keep throwing money at him. Like, he had Hollywood, which was not good. <laughs> I didn't see Ratchet. I will give Ryan Murphy a couple of nice little treats. How about that? Like, the nice treat is that Pose is an excellent show, except for the first season, the episodes that focus on white people, because no one cares about the white people at Trump Tower. If you're going to watch Pose, know that it gets better know that after the first season there are no white people and you're like thank god but <laughs> ryan murphy also doesn't get full credit for pose that credit goes more to like the other two writers and like janet mock who's an actual trans person and has like perspective that really enhances that story i 100 percent agree but at least ryan murphy is taking the money thrown at him and doing things like Pose. He is, yeah. I will admit with Ryan Murphy that he has these really interesting premises. His productions, like, they're very beautiful to look at. I mean, you can't fault any of the, the production design, like the artists working behind the scenes on Ryan Murphy shows. I just want them to have, like, Absolutely. nice things. Because they're so good. Ryan Murphy's an odd... Um, it's like we have an odd relationship because I don't end up really liking his shows, but I'll watch them all the way through. Like, that's the thing. You, you watch it all the way through. You don't, you know, necessarily be like, ah, fuck this and like throw your laptop or TV or whatever you're watching it like in a dumpster. You're just like, okay, this is shitty, but I'm clicking on the next episode and seeing what happens in American <laughs> 
it sucks you in, you know, it somehow feels really breezy, but also like an eternity. And you're just like, what? What is time with Ryan Murphy? (laughs) You really don't know. (laughs) Speaking of an eternity, I was shocked beyond belief that this movie is two hours and 12 minutes. I was expecting a little, you know, breezy, maybe two hours at most, an hour 45. Two hours and 12 minutes? Is this a Marvel movie or something? Apparently. And I get it. I know the songs take up a lot of time. And this isn't like Les Mis where everything's sung through, like it's song to song to song. There is a lot that goes on in between, but wow, two hours and and 12 minutes. I I just, I couldn't believe it. I wish I could say it was right there with you, but I was just like, oh, this seems in line for Ryan Murphy of like taking (laughs) something that really should just be like a lot quicker and being like, nah, we're going to make this like so much filler and just like two and a half hours. Here you go. It's what he does, to be honest. I don't know how you feel, but for me, I would say, like, as far as movie musicals go, this one really felt more in line with the producers and less in line with, like, some of the more visual spectacles that I like, like Moulin Rouge and Chicago. It really needed to be, like, a lot quicker. Like, it needed, like, a director who had a very deft hand so that the material could breathe, but not take for fucking ever. Like, this movie where you're like, wow, two and a half hours. All right. I think it suffers from a lot of self-indulgence, and that's very ironic because, like, that's what the movie's kind of about. So, yeah. so is it self-aware or is it not self-aware enough? I don't know. Like, oh, it I feel like it definitely isn't self-aware enough or like, if anything, it makes so much sense why Ryan Murphy would be drawn to this premise of a musical because it's like self-absorbed actors and like fake self-interested politics where like people pretend that they're like woken down with things just to make themselves look really good. It's like, that's absolutely Ryan Murphy catnip right there but at the same time it's like because he I don't know if he just sees himself in these characters like he seems very in love with the the core four and he just doesn't skewer them enough like it's like the claws are retracted and I I really wanted it to settle in a tone it's like you either have to be really sharp if you're going to do satire and like really skewer these people, like really go in, read them for filth. Or you have to change the tone and be like, you know what, this isn't a satire. This is gonna be like Shit's Creek. We're just gonna have a bunch of lovable, mildly terrible people learn a life lesson, you know? Hmm. You're, you're going Shit's Creek or you're just going fucking in. You, you can't have this like middle ground with that. That's a really, really good point. Like I, I didn't even think about the uh, Schitt's Creek take for it, but you could have totally done it that way as well. This falls in some like weird middle ground that again, like I said, I'm not sure what really the joke is. I wish I saw this play. It's something that people had brought Same. to my attention because it was in New York. It was nominated for Tony's. Obviously, I've hosted this show, High School Slumber Party, so it's on topic. I didn't get to see it. One thing that I read that it was like, oh, you've started me off on a bad point, Ryan Murphy. Apparently, the creators of this show were not like A-list Broadway actors. Mm. I'm kind of filling in the blanks here, but it seems like they were theater kids who were always like, in chorus lines and in, you know, not like the Bernadette Peters of the world, you know? Right. They wrote this musical as kind of like a um, poking fun at the big stars, but also poking fun at themselves. And Ryan Murphy had them all audition to be in this film. 
and he cast none of them because he felt <sighs> like it needed it needed a listers in the film, which is like whoa. When you look at the essence of the original play and then like try to again, I didn't see it, but try to imagine it on screen played by those kind of actors. It kind of has more of a sharp tongue about it, you know? Yeah, I mean, my initial reaction is just, like, gutted. Like, to quote another superior but not musical film, just, that's way harsh, Ty. You know? Like, that's (laughs) that's way harsh to, like, think about the fact that these people wrote, again, what I'm assuming, just because I never saw the, the musical when it came out, you know, this really, like, sharp, funny, sweet, queer musical. It's like, they wrote it. They wrote the thing. And then for people to be like, hmm. Nope. It feels a little bit like Dolly Parton losing a lookalike contest that she entered, (laughs) where it's like, oh, wow. (laughs) I mean, I get it from the capitalistic standpoint, but also at the same time, I have a lot of thoughts about casting for this. Like, definitely, definitely need to talk about the casting. Oh, oh, for sure. Tweaked so many things. I think we're going to spend most of our time in the casting, frankly, today. Yeah. Uh, Just a a little bit more production notes before we get there, though. It is based on a supposedly a true story from 2010 that took place in Mississippi. A student named Constance McMillan had plans to bring her girlfriend to senior prom and to wear a tuxedo, and in response was banned from attending the the prom. Which, brave for Constance, great story. Mm. I'm sure, you know, her and the ACLU ended up suing. I don't know. It didn't go her way, but yeah. I think the bigger relation here is that Green Day and Lance Bass and some other people said they would throw her her own prom. And it was a story in 2010. And all the applause to Constance McMillan for doing what she did. Hell yeah. I think where, you know, we might both be a little bit torn on this film is that we need obviously more like LGBTQ stories. And I'm glad we're getting them. A lot of them do come from Ryan Murphy sometimes. Yeah. You know, to me, this almost felt like a period piece from 2010, if that makes sense. And it wasn't yeah. labeled as such. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. Uh, I mean, I I agree. It's hard because it's like everyone in the, the LGBTQ community, y'all know that the films offered to us, it's, it's crumbs. It's like, there are just so many crumbs. Usually it's like a coming out story centered around white people. If you want lesbians, it's got to be like a period piece, like before 1900. Hey, it's like, hey, we get nothing. Don't discount, don't discount Bound. Bound exists. Oh yeah, true. Well, Bound needs more love. That's like, <laughs> I could go on a whole, a whole podcast just about Bound and why we should love like the, the Wachowskis because they're, they're just so great. I love both of them. Uh, but yes, I don't think it moves enough. Like I want queer cinema to, you know, be a little less Ryan Murphy and be a little bit more John Waters and just be like, fuck y'all. I guess I'm, I'm Magneto when it comes to queer <laughs> representation. I just want more nuance and more like just being like, you know what? No, let's not pander to straight people. Cause you know what? We gave them crumbs. Great. You saw the films that we saw. Like, why are we still centering like cis head perspective in queer cinema it's like no we don't need to center it we can acknowledge straight people and be like sure i acknowledge you but like no (laughs) but i mean that's just me like that's how i feel about it i want there to be like more nuance and i think that this story like has a lot of potential but i don't 
this is kind of getting spoilery, but I don't love that they don't center the heart of the film with Emma and Alyssa. Oh, 100%. That's the heart of the film. And it's like, fucking love these fictional characters, Ryan Murphy. Why do you love James Corden? <laughs> you know? You, you might call yourself Magneto, but I feel like you're Professor X because you're like reading my mind right now with, with stuff I have in the notes to the point that I watched X-Men while I was editing yesterday. Oh, whoa. <laughs> and, and, I had, and I had similar thoughts about like that. So funny that you bring up X-Men. There is a Magneto take here, but there is also a Professor X take, and I want to share it. Not that I 100% agree with it, but mm-hmm. I do want to share it. Some people have credited Glee and the we'll just call it the Ryan Murphy style of highlighting the gay community for moving the needle in this country, especially in middle America, like Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York. Those have had longer LGBTQ legacies in art. But Ryan Murphy, like Glee, I think, was based in Ohio. This was based in Indiana. While a lot of it seems corny and a little outdated to me, like maybe it's not for you and me necessarily. Mm. Maybe it is for the mom in Indiana who's like, oh, those gays seem fun. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I'm just trying to find the niche because these things get very, very popular. Glee was tremendously popular. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if this movie gets tremendously popular. I've seen it happen with other art from marginalized communities. It doesn't seem fun on paper or cool, but you get like the people like John Waters, right, who are pushing the envelope so much in such a fun, silly way. And by the way, I think you hit the nail on the head. This would be an awesome John Waters film, but I digress. (laughs) And those are the really like the people who pave the way. And it almost seems like with everything, you kind of need a Ryan Murphy to be like, America, see, it's not so bad. But I totally get why that would piss off people in the community. I'll take another perspective, right? Like as a Latin person, Mm -hmm. I've definitely seen this happen. Like you're not going to get the most... I don't even know the adjectives I can use, but like middle America's view of a Latin person for a while was a real like strange amalgamation of what it should be. It, it could be seen as like dark caricature, but to someone in Ohio who's never met one, they're like, oh, you see, they're nice. You know, it's like a we- it's a weird thing. And I don't mean to pick on Ohio and Indiana, Indiana, I guess a little bit more because that's where the film takes place. But it's this weird thing where like, Jen, okay, you go to or sorry. In the before times, pre-pandemic, you went to plenty of drag race party, correct? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I try to also see other drag that wasn't necessarily drag race. But yes, I, I love drag race. And I love for that, sure. that did pave the way for like more mainstream drag representation. RuPaul, fracking queen, <laughs> has a lot of <laughs> okay, problems. Yes, yes. But like, you know, I, I get your point. I don't think they're... There were too many glee parties back in the day in those same bars that you were going to for drag race parties, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think there are people going to throw parties for the prom in New York City. Maybe, but maybe they will in, uh, you know, the suburbs of America. Who knows? But it's not very edgy. I think, look, a lot of people think Ryan Murphy is edgy, and I get it. But I keep stopping myself because I... I hear myself talk and I sound so condescending, but I just, I, I mean, I feel I like can't. I'm probably going to sound more condescending on this. But, I, I, I just, but I just have to say, like, I think that Ryan Murphy is edgy 
for the suburbs, but not so edgy for the city. If that makes and again, that, again I, think I know that, that sounds that makes shitty. Sense. I know that sounds shitty, but maybe this niche is just not the niche that where you are in queer yeah. art is not where Aunt Tilly is from. No. You know, no, <laughs> Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Not. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm very aware of being isolated that I'm isolated in a a bubble of like I'm like right, okay. So like literally, you know, not seeing people but also just being like cool, I'm in the city. So yeah, I'm sure in the suburbs. And again, I'm sounding condescending because I'm in a bubble in the city, you know? Like I'm sure that they might be like, oh, "What? Gays wearing a tux?" But the thing is, yeah, Ryan Murphy he he isn't really edgy he's very like two of his flaws like just overall in a theme is that he loves a twist whether or not it actually makes sense so he's all for a cheap twist he loves a cheap twist and he loves dressing that up in the guise of like ooh, look at how subversive i'm being where he's actually not being subversive he's using language of camp to just throw aesthetics like a band-aid covering up this like gaping chest wound where i'm like ryan murphy what the shit you can't just aggressively use gay lighting and then be like look over there and it's like no 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 what what's this (laughs) what's this plot that's going on right now ryan does this make sense (laughs) so i definitely have like a lot of thoughts about the the plot of this movie too in regards to like classic ryan doing a cheap twist the aggressive bisexual lighting of this film like how many people saw atomic blonde i know that was really successful and it's like i liked it you know, it was, it was good. I, I love Charlize, but I'm not, you know, like, yes, Atomic Blonde, work. <laughs> like, that film was very full of bisexual lighting. And this film just makes Atomic Blonde's lighting look so straight. I'm <laughs> like, wow, how'd you do that, Ryan? <laughs> in, in like 10 seconds, can you explain to our listeners what bisexual lighting actually is okay so bisexual lighting is when you take the colors of the bi pride flag so you got hot pink you got electric blue you've got like a neon purple and you just those are your colors that's what you use for lighting so it's just a lot of like blue purple pink all at the same time Gotcha. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. Yeah, but you're it's, right. it's pretty simple, but it's like that movie had so much by lighting. I mean, it was aggressive <laughs> somehow where it was like, whoa. Let's, uh, you know, I think we, it's time we discuss the elephant in the room and talk about the casting and, and the cast for this. Original production notes say that this went through a couple different casts, if you will. Mm-hmm. Some people who were originally attached to it were Aquafina. Someone who I read in a lot of places was like very close to being one of the lead characters and and ended up not working out was Ariana Grande, which I feel like would have been pretty on par for uh, Ryan Murphy. (laughs) In the end of the day, we do get this accomplished cast. This is a very accomplished cast, Mm. starting at the top with one of the most accomplished actors, if not the most accomplished actor of all time. Meryl Streep is in this, uh, playing Dee Dee Allen. So first, what did you think of Meryl Streep? performance am i even allowed to ask a question like that oh man okay well 
I guess to soften the blow, I'm gonna I'm gonna say just for everyone out there, I really enjoy Meryl Streep. I think my favorite role of hers is um, Devil Wears Prada, Miranda Priestly. Like that's perfection. But I also agree with Katherine Hepburn that sometimes you can see that like click 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 of you know you you're not surprised by Meryl. Like you see the wheels turning. With with this one. I immediately got right away that she's supposed to be Patty Lapone. Like that was just very clear to me. And I almost just watching the movie, I'm like, well, why wouldn't you just get Patty Lapone to do this role? <laughs> like Ryan Murphy loves Patty Lapone. And I'm like, I don't know if they're similar ages. Like I think they are. I think she's good in this. I, I'm not going out there being like, Meryl Streep was terrible. Ugh. But it's like, this is Meryl Streep in a bad wig just being Patty Lapone, where you could have just had Patty Lapone <laughs> doing the same exact thing. They're the same exact age, actually. I looked it up, which is funny. Oh, <laughs> oh lovely. Okay. And like, I get that maybe Ryan Murphy wanted to like, again, cheap twist, be like, I'm not going to use my regulars. Did you see any white dudes with blue eyes and dark hair in this? No. And it's like, good, Ryan, you have growth. But at the same time, like, I want to see someone else. My choice would have been like Patty Lapone. If I were the casting director, or I'm intrigued by who played that role in the musical, like in the original musical too. Because again, I don't know. So like it's Patty or like original person. If I had to keep anyone out of the four core cast, it's like, I guess she could stay if it would get financed because capitalism's evil. Well, that, well that's the thing, right? money. So it's like, great. Meryl, fine. You stay. You're going to be Patty Lapone instead of Patty Lapone, who should just be this role. And that's the thing, right? I, I feel like Ryan Murphy likes to do this, whether it's his people or not. And I get it from like the simplest standpoint of if you can get a Meryl Streep, you cast a Meryl Streep. It's yeah. hard. To, it's, it's also hard to say to Netflix, "Hey, Meryl's interested," but I'm gonna go with my gut and cast Patty Lapone. You know, right? Like- <laughs> right. I know that's that's terrible, and it's like I want someone to get back to me because admittedly i don't know if viola davis can sing but i also don't care like i would just be like we can dub her that's my my thing with musicals in hollywood i'm like if someone really can't sing dub them if they're really that good like if you really just want someone who's gonna like fucking do it go for it but yeah i do think meryl streep is actually like like i know some people in musical theater world are like oh she's terrible i don't like her voice or whatever i actually like her voice i think she's a good singer she hit all the notes again it's patty lapone light but that's also like kind of unfair because that's how the role's written it's patty lapone you know the cell phone comment right away i'm like yep it's patty like they just did a should have done patty but you know that's that's all i'm gonna say about that because i am happy that meryl streep is getting cast in things and like i enjoy her i just want hollywood to understand that there are other women who are over 40 that could be in hollywood too be like just cast older women in things not just meryl of course of course it's hard to ding meryl streep like it's just hard like let's be honest exactly yeah this next person i think it's a very easy can to ding and i know i'm opening a can of worms by even bringing up his name but james corden as barry glickman sort of the co-lead here a lot of controversy with his casting because he plays a gay man he is not a gay man i thought like three years ago he was really blowing up 
He seems mm. to be blowing up even more now. And there is a lot of backlash to him uh, for a lot Absolutely. of reasons. Is it fair? I, I don't know if it's fair, but even I, for years, have been like, fuck this guy. I don't know why. Like, I don't know if it's a Guy Fieri thing where, like, it was really unfair. You know, everyone for years was like, oh, fuck Guy Fieri, fuck Guy Fieri. But now there's a little bit of more Guy Fieri love because, like, everyone realizes he's actually a pretty nice guy. Yeah, James Corden, uh, the floor is yours, Jenny. Good, because I don't know if you've seen the movie Clue or just anyone who's familiar with Clue and the comedic genius of Madeline Kahn. When I think about James Corden, it's just like flames, flames on the side of my face. Like, <laughs> he is not funny. He is not clever. He acts like he is nice. He's nice in the same way that Ellen DeGeneres is. It's infuriating because Britain has been saying this for a while. Britain's just like, hey guys, he just has an accent. <laughs> like that's, that's it. He just has the British accent, which wasn't even present in this movie. So I'm like, why would you fucking hire him then? As far as the casting of, of straight people in LGBTQ roles go, it's like, that's a tricky it's a, it's a tricky subject. It requires a lot of nuance, which, you know, I'm sure you could talk for hours about it. But I will say, no straight people in gay roles ever if it denied James Corden another role. <laughs> I don't care. Like, even if it's for, like, I love Viola Davis. I fucking love her. But I would say, like, hey goddess, queen of acting, master of cry face. I'm so sorry, but because you identify as straight, you can't play this role. We gotta, we gotta protect the world from James Corden. Because in, I haven't seen this skit, granted, but this isn't a new thing for him. This, so don't let him act brand new when he's like, oh, I didn't know. Because in, in 2009, he had this show with this actor, Matthew Horn, where they did a skit um, where he plays this camp, you know, like gay stereotype, basically a news anchor, Tim Goodall. And I haven't seen the clips, but the website NME was just like, they're offensive. And I'm like, you know, probably <laughs> like, I don't know if I need to like necessarily see and wade through, you know, someone that I don't like and don't find funny making fun of gay people. But he didn't actually apologize for doing that or he was interviewed by NME in 2018 you know he was like oh I would just try to find a cleverer way of doing it and like being offended is as particular to you as being hungry or having a pain in your leg it doesn't mean you take offense and go well I'm offended and everyone else should be too. There are gay stereotypes everywhere and there are stereotypes for a reason. So James Corden is that bitch that's like, I'm sorry if you were offended. He does not give a fuck. And for me, I'm over it. I truly believe comedy should punch up. And what James Corden is doing is punching down because like his whole, oh, there's stereotypes everywhere. They're for a reason. No, queerness is nuanced and expansive. Like, not every single gay person is going to act the same way. Again, flames on the side of my face, where I'm like, we shouldn't be having to explain in 2020 how stereotypes aren't a thing. <laughs> like, just goddammit. He does not know what it is like to be gay. And he also doesn't have what seems to be an ounce of empathy 
or like any gay friends to talk to to be like, hey, what is your experience like? He has a very narrow perspective. It's not just that. Like, if you want the receipts, the most amazing receipts come from his Reddit Ask Me Anything thread, which he did. And just like, oh, the floodgates opened. So, you know, on a low level, he's rude to waiters, which is just like, dude, what the fuck? Really? In 2020? I mean, it wasn't in 2020, but you know, when people are rude to customer service workers, I find it so telling. That's a little thing along with like the little thing of him normalizing Sean Spicer and like kissing him at the Emmys where I'm just like, gross, I hate this. But in the the Reddit Ask Me Anything, there is two stories that I'll highlight because I recommend checking it out. It's, whew, he was not prepared for this at all and it's great. But uh, there was a story that someone told being like, I was on this plane and I saw James Corden sitting next to this woman and she had a baby that was screaming and crying and she was like, you know, trying to calm down this child and he just had his headphones in. So this person's like, oh yeah, I guess like that's pretty chill of him, you know, ignoring this baby on this flight. Great. Plot twist. <laughs> so <laughs> the plane lands, you know, James Corden takes out his his earphones, whatever, the woman turns to him and is like, you know, you could help with your fucking child. And I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> even if someone's going to be like, you know, I don't know, the single James Corden fan defender, like, like question yourself if you're about to defend James Corden, be like, oh, well, maybe, you know, whatever. It's like, even if that wasn't true, the fact that I read that and was like, yeah, that sounds about right. Or like when you hear about like, I don't know, like 80 years ago when like people were like, Trump hired hookers in Russia to like pee on a bed that Obama slept in. It's like, we don't know if that actually happened, but because it, it's in line where you're like, you know, yeah, that sounds about right. So it's like that. But the one that really grinds my gears, just really grinds them, confirmed by Jimmy Kimmel producer Jack Allison that this motherfucker... This absolute just pig of a person, James Corden, advocated for lower pay of his writers in a Writers Guild Association meeting. I don't know if WGA, like I I might be getting the title wrong. I'm really bad with acronyms, my bad. But you're going in and being like, you know what, the writers who make me famous, it's not James Corden writing this. Like, do you think that James Corden actually came up with carpool karaoke? Or do you think that maybe he just kind of like took an idea that someone had and was like, but what about singing? And it's like, he doesn't write his own jokes. That's not him. He is devaluing the work of people who already aren't getting paid as much as he is. I would definitely argue that writers should get paid more. Like if I were a host, I'd be like, please fucking pay my writers well, because I need that. I'm not going to be writing jokes. I don't really want to be a host. But if I were, I would be like, pay them a better than minimum wage. Like this... It's telling, you know? Yeah, I I just really, really am bothered by that (laughs) so much. (laughs) You climbed up on the soapbox. I think it's been, let's see, it's been (laughs) a good... I can go on. I can... Nine minutes? He's friends with Harvey Weinstein. Oh, boy. That's like a cherry for the receipts. I will say, I will try to be 
condensed with this, but I am so mad that they cast him in this role. A lot of reviews were like, oh, he's playing like a gay stereotype from the 1930s, like the villains that are just kind of like, you know, limp wrists and, you know, it's all affectation. It's not an extension of his body. He was never doing like an extension of his body when it comes to being femme, which is a great thing to be. I love queer femme people. If there are people out there who are more femme and have like, like affectations that are like the limp wrists and stuff, it's like, when you do that, that should be coming from a place of love. That should be paying tribute to the people who are femme and have the bravery to be like, hey, this is who I am. And he doesn't do that. Again, I'm bringing up Schitt's Creek because I, I love Schitt's Creek and Dan Levy. And like, I feel like he maybe watched a YouTube clip of Dan Levy and was like, that's what gay people act like. I'm going to do that. But James Corden is fucking soulless. Like he has no soul. It's like Werner Herzog talking about how bears just like their cold dead eyes. I'm like, that's <laughs> James Corden. He could not listen for shit. He is the anti Mahershala Ali, who is an actor that I could listen to forever or just watch him listening to people and be intrigued and be like, yes, look at you and your handsome face where James Corden is like, you know, like in Wally, like the blob people, like the boneless, spineless mm-hmm. blob people that are useless and contribute nothing. And you're like, I hate this. I just want to watch non-binary communist robots overthrow <laughs> capitalism and try to save the planet. That's how I view James Corden. But also, I'm sorry to those blob people because they don't deserve that comparison. It's telling that James Corden is so despicable that Andrew Lloyd Webber wanted to cut him out of Cats. Like, Cats is the movie he deserves. And Andrew Lloyd Webber was like, no, I hated it. Cut him out. (laughs) And, like, they didn't. So just, I'm sorry. I know I'm going on, but it's like, what really bugs me is that, like, in the before times, you could go to Times Square. You could throw a nickel out into the street. You could hit five people at least who can do what James Corden does, but better. So it's like, why him? You know? Like, why him? Fair, fair. I want to hear your casting choices. No, I mean... I know uh, what mine are. (laughs) Like, I would have gone for Nathan Lane. That would have been my number one pick. Let's back up a little bit. I gave you 15 minutes of the floor. So let's... uh... I'm sorry. (laughs) I told you it was a dead dog. (laughs) (laughs) But But you're right. You're right. A lot of people in media have said Nathan Lane and Titus Burgess seem to be the popular picks on Twitter for this role. Yeah. Everything you said about James, just to back it up a little, everything you said about James Corden could be 100% true. I don't doubt it's 100% true. But let's, again, say he's Guy Fieri and none of it's true. And he's actually a really nice guy who we all just think is a douchebag because of appearance. It's still, as you said, a miscast role because he's also not good at it. He's not. Just to touch on some of your points, like I was trying to think like Eric Stone Street, right? Who was, uh, I forgot forgot his name in uh, Modern Family, Cam. Oh, yeah. Straight guy, won Mm -hmm. multiple Emmys for that role. There was an empathy in that character. It did not feel like he was doing mannerisms. It felt like him. He was yeah. acting. Even though he's, quote unquote, a straight guy, I think gay people can play straight people. I think straight people can play gay people. Yeah, agreed. As long as you're not playing a fucking stereotype. And you're absolutely right. He is just 
He's clearly very popular in some segment of the population and right. has a very good agent, right? Because he does. I sent you this trailer the other day about like some Melissa McCarthy movie where the whole plot of the movie is that AI is James Corden. And yeah, it's like, well, what? <laughs> right? Well, it's it's also like, again, I know that it sounds ridiculous, but it's like, it's also the accent. Americans <laughs> go weak for an accent. And I know I do too. Like, I'm not excluding myself from it. I've definitely been like tricked by an accent being like, yeah, this is great. But if you imagine like, imagine him speaking like Gilbert Gottfried. Imagine that's his voice. <laughs> like, oh no, I'm just going to pretend for like my own mental gymnastics that this is... Guy Fieri. <laughs> I just don't think that Guy Fieri in this case is like that good of an actor. Like he somehow managed to lack energy and do too much at the same time, which is a feat. Where it's like, <laughs> how do you do that? Oh, and like boy. bringing up my girl and your girl, K Stu. I love K Stu. She has like maybe two facial expressions, but I. <laughs> love it at least she has two facial expressions james corden doesn't even have a single convincing one facial expression well they say he puts on like the gay face i'm quoting people in media and twitter mm. and it, it's not very you know convincing apparently i don't know yeah, so he... so you're you're going with nathan lane in your draft to recast him okay yeah i mean my draft would be like nathan lane i would actually throw in billy porter into it too he can sing like he's yeah, so good he can throw shade he can be like like so empathetic where you're like oh my god i want to like you know cry in your arms for like two hours is that okay like with your consent <laughs> billy <laughs> porter you know and it's like he would turn some looks he can dance like i know that they're the character is supposed to be like this aging gay man i get that maybe there could be an argument that billy porter is too handsome you know i could see that i could be like yeah he's got got a real real nice face but like at the same time it's like I didn't really buy James Corden as like aging gay man who probably lived through the AIDS crisis where I'm like where's that history coming through you know like I know those like Broadway gays that like they watched all of their friends die in the 80s and you can you can feel that you can feel that coping mechanism in their humor and like it's just like it felt so offensive <laughs> that it was like <laughs> Wow, you couldn't even get that. I'd say those were my top two picks. If they wanted to be ridiculous and go with someone who was like a younger question, I don't even know how old James Corden is. Like, I don't. He's I don't 42. Oh, okay. Mm. I don't know how old Dan Levy is, but like, it's like if you were going to go for someone who just was going to do David Rose, but terribly, it's like, why don't you do the casting correctly and just like if you wanted david rose you could just go for the guy who wrote the role like dan levy is like a great comedic actor i really want to see what else he does in james corden's hands that character would have been a nightmare it would have been like get the fuck out of here but like with dan levy it was like it was so well handled like it felt so lived in and real and you're like this is a person with fears and hopes and desires and like great fashion sense who like will read you to filth and like you're like yes i want this so it's like i would have gone with that i would have gone for a drag queen like take a rue girl you know like take a rue girl like i i would have thrown in um alexis michelle <laughs> or like like Jan, like just someone. But yeah, if we're being concise, Nathan Lane's 
my top pick because it's like he's theater like he's that gay you know you're like he <laughs> does over the top and nuanced so well where i'm just like nathan lane he deserved better than the producer's film he can sing he can dance i just love him and like him and like patty lapone like just being similar heights <laughs> i'm like ah yes <laughs> i really don't it's inevitable well it's already happened but it's inevitable I don't want this podcast to have the same fate as this movie. I finished the two hours and 12 minutes, and I'm like, there was too much James Corden in there. But it's hard. It's hard not to. <laughs> yeah. Let's try yeah. to move on to the rest of the cast because. No, we can. Yeah. If there was like a, like, there's like the Snyder cut of the Justice League coming out. If there was like an O'Connell cut of this podcast, it would probably be three hours of railing against James Corden. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, in my defense, I feel like you there's, need to defend there's yourself, catharsis. by the way. I get it. Yes, fair. Yeah, fair. It's, it's cathartic to roast this absolute piece of shit. So for everyone who wants to roast a mediocre straight white dude, like DM me. I will roast James Corden anytime, any place. You know, I will, I guess, yeah, let's, let's move on to <laughs> casting notes because i have thoughts i mean yeah i mean that's the thing there are a lot of thoughts here most of them are james corden thoughts i get it but there yeah. are a lot of casting and honestly some positive yeah but next nicole kidman obviously she plays angie dickinson here who's like a chorus girl who never really has had her big break right it's so interesting because that's the name of a real person so i was like is this angie dickinson like she was in like a <laughs> cop show and like was like an actual actress and i'm like what is this is this just like a treat for the the gays that read making faces kevin O'Coin? you know books like is well, that it <laughs> she was actually in that rock hudson movie we covered Oh, I still haven't seen it, but I want to. Pretty Maids all in a row. Yeah. Um, so it's funny that we just talked about her. No, this is Nicole Kidman. Again, I think Nicole Kidman's very talented, and I'm oh, actually a Nicole, Nicole Kidman fan. I just don't kind of know, like, I, this is another thing, like, oh, you can get Nicole Kidman? Great. Find a place for her, you know? And right. I don't think she did a bad job. I just don't know if, like, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't I know mean, what to say. Yeah. I, I would say that she seemed to be having a lot of fun. Yes. A hundred percent. Which is great. And like that, I love, you know, Moulin Rouge. Like she's a fucking goddess in that movie. Like I love Nicole Kidman so much. And I'm happy the world is just like loving her and appreciating her. But at the same time, it's like she probably would have been better as like the PTA mom that's a total bitch and it's really like repressed. That sounds like a Nicole Kidman role to me to be like, I'm in a terrible marriage where I fabulous outfits and like there's a part of me that needs to be let loose like she's very like icy and quiet so I get wanting to like stretch and show variety but honestly my casting probably would have been Laverne Cox I would have loved to see Laverne just like crush this role. that would have been cool yeah yeah like she's gorgeous she can dance she can sing she you know hasn't had as many opportunities as nicole kidman and i'm just like give her some opportunities that would have made sense for her not being cast as roxy because of racism where it's like i just look at nicole kidman and i'm like you didn't cast this six foot tall stunning beautiful like vision 
with legs for days who can dance and sing what is wrong with you <laughs> it doesn't make sense she just is like very like nicole kidman where it's like laverne cox you're like oh right maybe they didn't cast her because racism i see i see yeah i think it would add a nuance to the character that's a really good point and i just think nicole kidman's kind of wasted in this but maybe yeah. she just wanted to have fun like the way you paint the picture i imagine she was cast originally as miss mrs green Mm-hmm. And she was like, mm, Ryan, could I just have more fun this time? Can I be that one? And he's like, you know what, Nicole, do what you want to do. Yeah. Come here, have fun. I do like the fact that she's having fun. I just feel like she's, I think there's a, this is a role with nuance. I just don't think the pieces match so much here. No, yeah. Keegan Michael Key plays the uh, principal. Yeah, I really like him. I was going to say, one of my favorite people in this cast, because I always feel bad. I'm sure he's happy for his friend. But, like, uh, Jordan Peele is, like, the greatest horror director of our time now. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, let me take these Netflix roles. And I just think he does a great job and he deserves all the good things for him. So I'm happy to see Keegan-Michael Key here. But what did you think yeah. of, I guess, overall of this performance and this character? I thought he did great with the material that he's given. It's tricky because Ryan Murphy has a very particular tone. You know, sometimes there are great actors who can match it. And sometimes there are great actors that you're like, oh, you missed the tone. And it's like he's playing the love interest of Meryl Streep. Like his character, he even says that he's just like, I'm a small town principal that likes musical theater. Like, that's it. That's all we know about the dude. And like, he's just cool with gay people. That's it. That's all we get. You know, that's all he gets to work with. But I thought that he like did a really good job playing the like, Ew, I hate this term straight man. Because his character is not really funny. He's not really like no, no, boisterous. It's, it's, it's definitely just not like, funny. You like buy him as like, he's like a nice dude that's just kind of like, what the fuck is this shit? But also Meryl Streep's a babe. And I'm like, you sold me. So good <laughs> job. I haven't heard him sing in much. Because like, I'm trying to think if he did some singing in Key and Peele, which I love. Like this, I feel like showed off his voice really well, I guess is my point. Where I'm like, yeah, he really hit all the notes for me. Where I'm like, good job, you, you know? Yeah, I want him in more things. I like him. And yeah. I, I liked this character because it was, I mean, it was a little nuanced in a sense that he's really into theater and he's not gay. You know, I, mm. <laughs> I hate the low bar that we're putting for this. I know. But I know, it's such a low bar. <laughs> I like that that can actually exist in a Ryan Murphy world. And there was no, there was a little joke. She asks if he's gay, but it's not like there was little jokes throughout. That's what I was afraid of, where it was yeah. either, oh, yeah, oh, he must great. be gay if he's siding with the gay people in this town. And he right. likes musical theater, you know, but actually he was just a really nice guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is delightful. And like, again, <laughs> this podcast if you're learning two things about me, it's this. One, I fucking hate James Corden. And two, <laughs> I don't know ages. I'm so sorry. I like, I just don't. I don't know how old he is in comparison to Meryl, but I'm just like, I appreciated that they had like a slightly younger man with yeah. an older woman. I'm like, nice. He's at least yes. 20. Uh, let's see if he's 50. Yeah, you know? he's at least 20 years younger than her. And it, was, oh, it wasn't shit. a thing either. It, it, wasn't, it a wasn't a thing, a thing either. Yeah, that was, was so nice. I don't want the reverse relationships where it's like older woman, younger man to be like, look at this hideous hag. <laughs> younger man. It's like, no, no, no. I just don't want it to be like commented on like that. Because you never see old dudes dating like 20 something women and 
the script being like what a gross pig what like a piece of trash like look at him dating it's always like oh yes this is like johnny depp dating a 20 year old in this film you know it's like gross i hate it so i really was happy they didn't do too many jokes about that or like be like the ha 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 you gay you know (laughs) like at every instance they could with him so good job with that I'd keep him, I guess is my point. Like, I think yeah. he worked really well in that role, so he can stay. So, uh, Andrew Reynolds, I think his name's pronounced. Um, yes! He plays uh. Trent. This character, I think it hit uh, the best for me in what tone maybe they originally crafted the characters yes. in the play. Yes, I feel yes. like we all know someone like this, and it's like Juilliard, Juilliard, Juilliard thing. It's to me hilarious. I actually thought oh, he was like a, a bright spot in the film. He's Dang. known, but he's not like Meryl Streep, Nicole Kidman right. known. So I honestly liked his casting here, and oh I God, loved yes. the character. I wish more of the characters hit the nail on the head like his character. Well, that's the thing. It's like, I love I love Andrew Rannell. He could do characters like this in his sleep. And that's not to say that like, oh, because he like doesn't give a fuck and you know, like coasts. It's like, no, 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 he is so talented. Mm-hmm. I know that his background is like theater and it's like girls was his big break. But, you know, he was in like the original Book of Mormon. Like, yeah. he, he knows like exactly what tone to hit. It made it more insulting to like pair him, an actual gay man, <laughs> next to James Corden. Where like, I know his character isn't, you know, playing gay or whatever, but it's like, I wonder how it must have been on set for him to like witness James Corden essentially like making fun of his community and also underperforming in every performance. <laughs> where like, Andrew, he is dancing, he is acting, he is singing. Like that voice, he's so good. I just want nice things for him so it's like he can stay too he he was such a, a needed breath in that movie and i hope that other reviews are just like give him some more work like i love him and big mouth i'm like oh yes i'm happy we're on the same page with this because i know him i know he's in theater i've seen him on girls i know he's famous in the theater crowd but again i know he doesn't have the meryl streep name and i didn't know what he was going to bring to this performance and i was like if i'm going to focus on this as core four as he put it I want more on him and less on the other people because his story is so much more interesting. And again, I I didn't see the play, but it it definitely feels like this is one of the characters that came from the play and is holding those theater roots. Well, yeah. And it's like, it's so pointed, like the writing, which again, I'm not sure if it's coming from the play or, you know, Ryan Murphy. I'm assuming it's coming from the play, but it's like, I've met bartenders exactly like him on catering gigs that I've worked. Like the, the non-union Godspell tour. Oh my God. That's exactly (laughs) right. (laughs) Like it was interesting because it's like, it felt accurate, but again, it wasn't punching down. It wasn't like, ha ha ha, like actors are stupid and poor people are stupid. It's like, no, 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 the industry, you know, and capitalism are are stupid because that's that's the thing with like acting it's like you could go to Juilliard and like pour a lot of money and time and tears and sweat into your your craft and like be stuck as a bartender Hollywood's so mercurial and like Broadway is so mercurial so it's like there are so many talented people like his character (laughs) I thought the Juilliard thing was so funny where I'm like oh my god yes (laughs) I've met that person I've definitely met that person before, but it's like, yeah, like I really felt like they walked with that character, like a a nice line between like making fun of the absurdity, but also not being really like unnecessarily cruel with him. 
So yeah, a hundred percent agree. Um, let's try to roll through the rest of these. Yes. So, yeah. Um, um, I mean, and I hate to do that, but that's what Ryan Murphy has done to us. I know. So <laughs> Joe Ellen Pellman, a relative unknown, is really the or should be, we should say, the lead here as Emma. And I said should be because that's really what the character focus should be on. It's not. Yeah. So, and Emma is the the girl we spoke of who wanted to go to prom with her girlfriend and this fictional school in indiana and they cancel the whole prom because of it uh what do you think of uh her in in this performance she is an oh, actor who identifies as queer uh i've read a little bit about her but she, again there's not much here so you have yeah. meryl streep and her it's like whoa i thought she was great like i i loved her her voice again i feel like this could be like considered shade from like a film perspective but it's like i could tell that she was comfortable with theater and the material and like comfortable not in the sense that again like not like she was coasting but just that it felt very like lived in and Mm -hmm. also i will say maybe it's because like the character name i feel like she should have been in la la land instead of emma stone like that actress i'm like (laughs) you should have been emma stone's role i'm just like cast her in more things please i guess is my (laughs) my short point yeah and i'm sorry i was gonna say like i am hitting that abort button if you get on your emma stone's i'm not soapbox. i know because because we'll be here forever then and right. i only have a day to edit this so <laughs> but no i, I agree I, I would love to see her in more things i thought she did a great job her kind of opposite Alyssa green is played by ariana debose who also does not have a lot of credits she's in a lot of theater i think people will depending on how this film does but she is in the role of and i think it's already filmed the west side story movie that's supposed to come out at some point big shoes to fill but she's taking uh what's her name rita moreno's character from the movie so big shoes to fill uh, Anita, Anita, I was forgetting. Anita, yeah. I thought she did a good job here. Again, I wish the story was more focused on them. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I feel like they had such a an interesting pair of people to focus on or like issues because unlike I'm not going to get on the happiest season soapbox I have many soapbox <laughs> want to talk to me about various soapboxes I'm down but it's like there there is like a legit tragedy of being a young queer person who's stuck in a conservative household with like overbearing parents where it's like you have to you know perform at a certain level because it's harder for like a 16 year old to be like fuck this let me just be out and comfortable you know with my girlfriend they alluded to emma being kicked out of her house where i'm like oh damn but like they didn't and i'm not saying they should have like indulged and been like ha 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 gay torture porn let's see you know these young queer kids cry but it's like you know, it's so much harder to be 16 and have that threat over your head being like, wow, if I come out to my family, are they going to kick me out? Are they going to um, disown me? Like, what will I do? It's not like a 16 year old can go and buy an apartment <laughs> and be like, ah. No, yeah, for sure. There's real consequences. So like that struggle with like Emma being forced, you know, to be like, all right, well, I guess I kind of, you know, I'm just on my own. And like, here's my person that I care about. And why aren't you out? And like having Alyssa be like, well, I can't be out because I might lose everything. And like, I don't know what to do. You know, it's like, that's really interesting. To me. Definitely, definitely. That's where the, the focus should have been. And Alyssa Green's mother is played by Carrie Washington, who's great. And I thought she was sang great in here. Uh, one criticism I wrote down, I don't know why I was like, 
why is Kerry Washington the bad guy? Like, that's what I was well, thinking. Okay, that's kind of the points I wanted to get in. I think Kerry Washington, you know, she's a very strong actor. I thought she was brilliant in Little Fires Everywhere. I think she does intense really well. But at the same time, there was like a fundamental thing that bothered me. It being like, why are you making the villain of this movie a black woman, especially during a political climate where black women are standing up for everyone? and like pushing things forward. And I know I can't, you know, like, like I'm white, I can't, you know, be like, ah, but at the same time, it's like, respect black women. Why are you making her the villain, you know? And also, I think that this was a case kind of circling back to, you know, the point that I was making before is like, I don't think Carrie hit the Ryan Murphy tone for villains. And I don't think that's her fault. You know, like she has a beautiful voice. She's gorgeous, too, where I'm like, oh, my God, I love her. So this is not an indictment of her talent, but it's like she felt like she was in like a Sondheim musical when it was like, this is not Ryan Murphy. (laughs) Like, this is like very serious acting. And like Ryan Murphy has like a little bit more camp. So like I would have wanted to see like Jane Lynch in that role because that would have made sense to me. Ryan Murphy veteran would make Ryan sense. Murphy veteran could like easily do conservative small town lady, but like without actually being like a an August Wilson, like I am in a very serious tone right now. From what you said before, just thinking about it too, like we could also flip-flop Nicole Kidman and Carrie Washington, right? Like That's true. Carrie Washington could play that an- the weird-named Angie Dickinson role, and Nicole yeah. Kidman could play the Mrs. Green, and I think it would have been a little bit better, because I think right. Nicole Kidman can bring it up to that, that mm. Ryan Murphy level, yeah. but she maybe didn't want to. I don't know. Uh, but yeah. you're not going to really do that with the Angie Dickinson character. It's not like... Right. I think that, that Carrie Washington still could have had the singing numbers, and brought so much heart to that role. So, ah, who right. knows? Yeah, because I, I haven't seen Carrie Washington do a lot of comedies, but that doesn't mean she can't do a comedy. Yeah, like, that's a great point. Like, I would have liked to see, like, what Carrie Washington would have done with the Angie Dickinson role. You know, she could turn those looks, too. Like, the the outfits that, that Angie wore, I was a fan. So I'm like, put her in some sequins. Why are we, we not doing that, you know? And I, I hate to do this to Mary Kay Place and Tracy Ullman and all the other great people in this film but we allotted too much of our time to james corden so (laughs) i know i know that's the thing sorry well but i also didn't have any problems with them so it was like they were fine it's just like i think that this should have like not only had like more theater casting like just like actually draw from broadway because when you did with like andrew reynolds like drawing from like that actual broadway experience it's like that enhances a movie music but james corden hosted the tonys james corden can can fuck right off <laughs> like <laughs> james corden ruins every single musical that he's ever been in and cats is the only film he ever deserves I said what I said. But yeah, I mean, it's like, I think that they should have been a little bit more conscious of like what their visual medium is actually saying. And like, what are you, what are you actually saying by having like four white people come in and advocate on behalf of the gays against like the evil black lady who's trying to like, you know, control her daughter. 
Well, I'm when like, you put it that way, wow. I mean, it does not yeah. sound good when you put it it's, that way. What are you saying? Because like, not going to go fully into this essay, but I highly recommend it. Um, it's by Bruce LaBruce. Uh, it's called Notes on Camp and Anti-Camp. It's from 2015. But he argues that unlike Susan Sontag's thesis that camp is apolitical in nature, Bruce is like, nah, camp is very political. It's subversive and even revolutionary in its most pure and sophisticated manifestations. So it's like, I, I agree with him that I think camp needs to be subversive. It needs to be political. I think that it has like a much broader range because you have like, yeah, you have your classic gay camp of like John Waters and Mae West, but you also, you have straight people camp. Like Twilight is straight people camp. Same with Adam Sandler. And, and like you have like liberal camp, conservative camp, you have high camp, low camp, ultra camp, intentional, unintentional. You have so much to work with in that, that genre of camp where Ryan Murphy kind of falls closer to like bad gay camp where I'm like, oh, Ryan, no. I know he loves, you know, Joan Crawford and Betty Davis, but he doesn't ever land in like that layer of camp. <laughs> so yeah, point is... I think it would have been more subversive to like mix up that trio and like actually, you know, be like, hey, like, what are we saying about this fuckery that's been going on forever and being like, cool, like, let's like reflect it. But in that, like, you know, Ryan, I don't know if he just like didn't want to offend middle America by like making Jane Lynch no, like a because, white lady, the the mean villain. No, because he's done it in the past. So he has. That's I don't, and the thing. He's, it's been effective more or less in a lot of places, too. So I don't think it is necessarily that. I just think he has a way of casting that. For example, the American crime story, like the Versace one. All the Italians were played by Latin people. Yeah. What is that? Like, wh- I, I don't understand it. And no one made a stink about it because, honestly, I like a lot of those actors, so I didn't want to make a stink about it either. And I was happy that Latin people were being casted. But he just has this thing where he's weird with casting. Sometimes he hits the nail on the head. Sometimes he doesn't. Who knows? I don't think there's, like, some kind of, oh, I was afraid to offend middle America. Yeah. I just think this is just, (laughs) I don't know. This is just who he is. I mean, it's unfortunate because, again, I think he, like you said, like when he gets the casting right, he gets it right. And you're like, yes, give Sarah Paulson a career, you know, (laughs) like cast Kathy Bates and more things, please. But like with this, it's just so confusing because it's like he'll give you a treat. He'll be like, look, who's here? (laughs) It's Andrew Reynolds. (laughs) And then he'll be like, ha ha ha, fuck you. I also cast James Corbin. (laughs) how do you like that and it's like no i hate it the fact that they have a line in it that james corden says that i am as gay as a bucket of wigs i just wrote no (laughs) (laughs) well speaking of lines and and music and all that let's talk a little bit about the music this is a musical after all it's not my area of expertise so if you guys were looking for some kind of criticism on like what songs i liked and what songs i didn't if you've listened to High School Slumber Party before, you probably realize it's not my area of expertise. But, Jenny, what was your opinion overall of the music and the songs? James Corden does get some numbers, unfortunately, but I think they spread it all around. So what was your opinion on the music? Okay, so um, I will say that music is an area of expertise of mine, but I also hate music theory bros who just are like, oh, yeah, that augmented seventh chord. It's like, no. <laughs> stop it so it's like for me I thought the musical was good but again 
I also know that I have very specific musical tastes where when it comes to musicals, like, yes, I love Moulin Rouge. Yes, I love Chicago. But I also love, like, you know, weird Sondheim. And, like, I love, you know, like, yeah, like, John Waters. Like, Hairspray's great. Uh, musicals that mash up different genres are either amazing or terrible. It just kind of, it, it depends. It's hard to necessarily pinpoint. But with this, it's like, I thought they had some fun numbers. Like I liked Andrew Reynolds' number. Like I thought when they, the the number about Indiana just being a terrible place, I'm like, that was good. Like I, I liked the song that Emma and Alyssa had I thought they were really strong um I thought all of James Corden's numbers could have been cut we wouldn't have <laughs> lost a single thing but I know that's shocking I will say though you know some of the numbers I could really like hear you know after where I'm like yeah I just want to dance with you yeah that's a cute number great but musically I wouldn't say it's like the most memorable because say what you will about like fuzzy musicals like Hamilton it's like Hamilton's very catchy Mm -hmm. like just musically you're like yeah I can hear every single one great this one I was like I can hear some of them but I think that's more because movie musicals are tricky like they're very hard it's not an intuitive transition you can't just like be like oh yeah I can just film this like the stage or like stage something like a film it doesn't work that way so with this one it's like I'm curious Brian did you notice how often the camera spun around (laughs) (laughs) no I did I did Maybe it was the the touch of Zazz that Ryan Murphy oh, had. Oh, the, the <sighs> Zazz of this film, the aggressive bylighting. And then I, he just like would spin around when he didn't know what to do, which was all of the time. Like, I'm not a choreographer, so I can't speak from that level of expertise. But I think with like some musicals, it's like you really need to like, yeah, to use the the Zazz number. It's like you, you need a little Zazz. You need something <laughs> to like remember it by visually where you're like ah yes is this you know Chicago Queen Latifah with that like feather like talking about how the ladies love her I'm like yes yeah think of that image and then you're like when you're good to mama like fuck yes um but this one it like I just feel like the staging wasn't good. And it's like all of the the aesthetics were beautiful. Like the set design, Mm -hmm. the color coordination, the lighting, like everything was great. But it was just like the way they set up and framed the numbers, again, just felt like the producers that I'm sure, you know, the producers is a very funny musical. I didn't see it because, again, I'm poor (laughs) when it was on Broadway, but it's like, that's a funny musical and a funny source material. And like, you know, the, the Matthew Broderick, Nathan Lane movie just like was so boring that like, springtime for Hitler you're like how did you make that boring so I feel (laughs) like you know maybe someone who saw this musical on Broadway I'm sure like the like the prom proposal ridiculous song or like you know the song about like Patti LuPone singing about herself like they probably just like slapped a little more in person because like the staging isn't there you got room to breathe for timing so you can really absorb the the cleverness of the writing within the song and you're like oh yeah that's hilarious where this he just didn't let the material breathe so it's very hard for me to like latch onto a song and be like yeah like if anything if I go on Spotify I'm probably gonna listen to the the original cast recording and not this yeah I'm really curious about like what the original cast recording is like not that I hated it but 
it's hard, for, especially like yeah. I, again, I'm not a huge fan all the time of film musicals, and and it's it's hard to do. I get that. I, I think yeah. Ryan Murphy has this thing, weird thing too. That I genuinely believe that he's having fun directing this film, but that oh, doesn't yeah. necessarily make it a good movie. And if that right. and, and if that's the case, it is what it is, and it's fine. Um, if this is just like a fun thing you want to put on in the background, great. But don't act like it's like you know. This is not Chicago. This is not Moulin Rouge, you know? No, <laughs> it's, is just... it's not. And those movies, I would say, like, hit the right tone of being, like, I'm sure just a blast to work on and being, like, a great movie. Moulin Rouge is a whole soapbox I can go on. So if you want to, like, <laughs> come to my TED Talk about how Moulin Rouge is perfect, you know? If there's, like, the old, like, GPS route of how this show is supposed to go, I feel like we've mentioned so many potential exits where you're, where you're like, in the car, like, oh, you mind if I get off on this one? <laughs> you right? mind if I go on the, the Moulin Rouge back road for a while? <laughs> I know. Well, that's, that's the thing. It's, like, there are some films that you can really just talk about the film where I think part of Ryan Murphy's problem is that like you see these strong aesthetic influences and you see how he is <laughs> trying to be camp like he is just trying to achieve this like may west level of camp and he never he never really does because there's no actual substance i don't mind that we're having a conversation that's going more like this and less scene by scene because what did i say at the beginning i'm your sarah jessica parker jenny i wanted to have a kiki <laughs> This is more of a kiki you did. style. Can I be sh- oh, do I get to be Shangela? Because I don't want to be like the... the... I'm just joking. <laughs> I know, but I just don't want to be whoever that... that like the, that the gay name. kid on Glee. Because like I know it's it's again the same thing of like Ryan Murphy trying to be subversive with Glee. Being like, look at this. You know, we're going to focus on like the, you know, the underrepresentative. Here's the gay kid who loves Judy Garland. I'm revolutionary. <laughs> and I'm just like... No, you're still focused on the the straight white people, and it's not actually revolutionary, and I hate it so much. I know community skewered them with their, like, Elton John, Little John mashup, but I'm like, I I would believe that that happened on Glee. I'd be like, yeah, that sounds about right, okay? I think one thing he does that's really funny to me, and maybe Middle America relates to it more than I do, and again, I don't mean that in a condescending way at all, even though I know it sounds like that, though. I love how it's always like, what? The football player's gay? Or what? The cheerleader's gay? How could that be? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know if it's different in the the musical, like, the stage version, but it's like, in the first five minutes with Carrie Washington, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's her daughter. Like, that's the other game. That to me was Like, like... but I don't know if he he like meant that to be like a shocking twist, being like, you didn't see that coming, did you? It's like, yeah, we, we saw that. Like, football players can be gay, Ryan Murphy. <laughs> like, it's not like, you know, perfect straight A femme students like can also be gay, Ryan Murphy. This is not a, a big The thing. only, again, counter to that, and I shouldn't say middle America, because I, I think that does marginalize you know, just in my language saying that, like, implies that everyone in middle America believes a certain thing. Uh, let's even go back. Like, I could imagine people our parents' generation still probably, and not still think that, but thought that at one point. Like, oh, he yeah. plays sports. He can't be gay because sports, you know? Right, like, right. <laughs> I mean, so heterosexuality and the gender binary are a hell of a drug. So, like... <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if someone still thought that or like, you know, having 
again, it's it's tricky with queer representation being like, I'm not against like women in suits. I'm like, yes, but like the the whole like, oh, you have to have like one who's the man in a relationship and one who's the woman in like a, a lesbian relationship. I'm like, what? Isn't the whole point that it's like two women? Yeah, like, yeah, that's that's another like, exit we can go you off know? on. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> so many. <laughs> I don't know, right? Like we, we don't have the answers to all these things, but at the end of the day, I feel like this is not a movie made for me. I could still have fun no. with it. I can enjoy yeah. a lot of the performances. And it wasn't like overall some exceptions that we're not gonna name again, but I wasn't overall offended by watching it. I wasn't like, oh my god, like what it wasn't like Clint Eastwood directing this or something, you know. Right. Like, and I'm you know, whatever. I'm not like dissing Clint Eastwood, but that would be a little bit strange, you know? I am. <gasps> I mean, <laughs> Let's not, again, another exit let's try to avoid. But in terms of, like, scenes and moments, just off the bat, I feel like it needs to be mentioned how this starts with that Eleanor musical, which is supposed to be, like, an Eleanor Roosevelt musical. And I get what they were trying to do here, and I imagine on stage it was pretty funny. And I wasn't hating it. I was kind of hating, the, again, James Corden. But uh, yeah. him aside, I got what they were trying to do they're like here are arrogant actors you know i like the aesthetics of this scene i'll tell you that much right oh yeah yeah i mean the aesthetics are great like i know i've been you know just shading the aggressive bisexual lighting but i'm like it is good it's just like aggressive (laughs) (laughs) one thing early on this reminded me of and i'm like okay i can't be too critical of this but because the first thing i said is oh i would have loved to see this on stage but it's something to like remind everyone if they don't already know but if you're in another part of the country maybe you don't that like broadway has been closed during the entire pandemic and it's going to be closed for a very long time and it's one of the most important cultural touchstones of not just new york culture but american culture so as much as i do enjoy criticizing some aspects of this film and how as much as i say i'd rather see it on stage at least things like this are making broadway a little bit more accessible in this time and safer than it would be yeah. like because i'm not like let's all go to the shows now you know right <laughs> so, <laughs> oh yeah i know no that wasn't lost on me about how much like even though again i really didn't go out to many broadway shows like i've seen them and i i enjoy them i have the well, utmost yeah. respect yeah. let's for be honest they're just completely actors. they're just completely inaccessible to non-rich people honestly right occasionally you can get a coupon or something like that right. like the student discount tickets i'm like thank you but like <laughs> yeah so it, it is nice you know that like we still get like a little taste of broadway in these hellacious times again another another ted talk point but if you want to talk about how cats the movie opened up the portal to this timeline holler at you boy i got you <laughs> but yeah it's like that made me sad seeing like a mall i got so sad i'm like a mall with people in 20 yeah yeah like just you know, the mall of cornerstone the, like, too of, of of high school films uh yeah this film was a sobering reminder of that kind of stuff as well mm-hmm. um, but yep. you know quickly i love the kind of meet cute of the four actors at the beginning, you know, first, oh, we got a good review. Then it was like, we got a bad review. Whatever. But, again, and this goes to, uh, what's his name? Trent, who's the Andrew mm. Rannells character. Yes. Like, once he got in the mix and he's like, oh, you know me, right? Like, that kind of, 
Tactics oh yeah, I mean, bartender. perfect name too. Like Trent, I'm like <laughs> that's spot How on. He briefly was in a sitcom. Like I, I love that aspect. And at this point, James Corden aside, I wasn't minding them getting together, and because they were playing up the arrogant actor, like yeah. theater actor bs here which was funny and like get on the bus and let's go to middle america like nicole kidman on the phone like look at this story because this happens all the time and i'm not accusing the people in the real story green day and i forgot who else i meant oh lance bass (laughs) Um, (laughs) of doing that originally i don't know what their intentions were but how many of these celebrities like their true intentions are that just like let me look good so i i appreciated that part but again looking back on it it just reminded me that Maybe it worked better on on stage. I don't know. But the real heart of this story is the actual story between the kids. Again, wish I got more of that. That's all. Right. Yeah, same. I feel like, again, Ryan Murphy just put poured all of his empathy into the wrong people. And I get it. You, you have Meryl. You're going to give Meryl scenes. Like, great. You hire James Corden for inexplicable reasons. You're going to show the world how he is incapable of crying or listening to people or having emotions and, like, a heart and a soul. But, like, it's, like, like the fact that they, like... You know, they had, like, the whole makeover scene with, like, him and, like, talking about how, like, oh, yeah, like, Emma got kicked out. And it's, like, I didn't want to hear about that from James Corden. That's the thing, I right? That, I love, you know, I love like a makeover Emma's scene. thing, a- like, center the agency with her and her character. Because I thought she was, like, really, really sympathetic. It also kind of made it, you know, like, I know she played it very optimistically. Like, you could tell, like, she's like, optimism, theater. She's a like, little bit, and it's not a criticism of her. Yeah. Uh, or the acting. Right. It's a little bit of like a Mary Sue character. You well, know? that's what I, I mean with like the writing that like maybe it translated differently on stage because I th- again, I thought she was she was great. Like she held her own against Meryl and Nicole Kidman and like what I'm presuming is her first major film. So like, you know, she she's awesome props to her but i think in camp you can have a mary sue character yeah like let's let's look at hairspray right with i don't know right whatever her name yeah. is <laughs> sorry yeah. uh, i just feel like her character by like not focusing on like the mary sue like hairspray like i am you know just bright and happy and bubbly and like everything shit but like look at how i'm still smiling like that thing could have worked really well with centering that perspective mm. because tracy turnblatt is centered in tracy, that movie yes. It's Tracy's film. You're like, this is about her. This is Hairspray. Like, John Waters knew that, like, in order for that character to work, you have to have it centered with her. Because otherwise, you're just like, this movie. that's like, kind <laughs> of muddled. Where you're like, are we supposed to care more about Meryl Streep? Like, being mad that she had to sell her Hamptons house? Or, like, <laughs> or like Nicole Kidman. There was a point that, like, Nicole Kidman... I guess like she she's eating ice cream with Emma and she's like but I've been such a good friend and I'm like have you because like we haven't had scenes with you individually and like like where did this come from you haven't been a good friend at all so one of my notes was like something kind of in the long lines of what you're saying I'll say this for the 10 millionth time might have worked better on stage but why do we need all four of these characters mm. like why why is she hanging out with Nicole Kidman sometimes, sometimes James Corden? And then, you know, spoiler alert, she decides to take James Corden 
to prom for inexplicable reasons. Yeah. And yeah, it's like it's she didn't consider gross. Nicole Kidman. <laughs> and again, also, don't take an adult to prom. That's weird. But anyway. Yeah. Especially <laughs> not James Corden. If there's... I mean, I know that proms aren't a thing anymore. I don't know how many actual, like, high school students are listening. And, like, if I just sound like a sea hag being like, hey, kids. But it's like, don't take James Corden to prom ever. No. Just don't do it. Not a good no. idea. What I was thinking was, though, like, why do we need the James Corden and the Meryl Streep character? Mm. Like, I just don't. Yeah. Th- why couldn't Meryl take her on that makeover scene? Which, by the way, well, again, I love a makeover scene. And I, lo- I, I like this scene, but it's ruined by who's in it. I can tell you're feeling wary, but you can count on Uncle Barry. He can turn this bushy duck into a swan. Your whole look could use a shake-up. You can borrow all my makeup and the pair of spanks I currently I think I'll pass. Treat the whole world like your runway. Make it fierce, but in a fun way. Try to flip your hair like Cher and drag queens do. And I don't mean to be rude, dear. But you could use some attitude, dear. Let's show the school that tonight belongs to. to demonstrate right well yeah it just again it reads so homophobic or i'm like god damn it don't drag james corden into the lgbtq community even fictionally it's like i don't want this because like I, I just i hated that i hated that so much like with james corden in that casting it reads very much like, oh yeah, gay people love shopping and love Lady Gaga and love Drag Race, where it's like, not every gay. And if you had an actual gay person like Nathan Lane, I think Nathan Lane would have been interesting because it would have been more like, you know, older chosen family gay friend who like loves, again, I just fucking hate that Ryan Murphy makes every single like older queer like theater nerd just being like Judy but it's like Judy and like makeovers and like camp and gayness coming out of Nathan Lane's mouth it feels natural and you're like yeah I want to see Nathan Lane pick out dresses I want to see this but James Corden it just feels like pandering to gays and I'm like I don't want the pandering like why couldn't like if they wanted to you know make Nicole Kidman's character queer how about that whoa boom you know (laughs) that would have been refreshing or like yeah I don't think they needed all four like I'm not sure what all four were supposed to do like thematically because if it was like a Schitt's Creek thing you know and you're like you've got your you I'm so sorry to Dan Levy and your perfect eyebrows that I'm I'm putting you and James Corden in the same category but it's like if you've got your David Rose you know who's the like Moira would be um like Patty so it's like you could have Moira. That's fun. I guess, yeah, Andrew doesn't really work as Eugene Levy. 
<laughs> this went off the rails but like you know nicole kidman is like alexis i'm like that would have been great like i would have loved that you know like just something to twist the the camp a little bit yeah i mean like, I, I agree with that it got off the rails with like trying to combine the two things where it's like is this a heartwarming story about mildly terrible people learning to be better or is it like a scathing indictment of the vapid like performative activism of of hollywood and, like, yeah what is I, I don't know <laughs> that's a good you question. know and yeah that's the thing i don't know either i honestly don't know what he was he was going for because you could make arguments for both of those but they those tones just don't work together it really is like an elton john <laughs> little john mashup where you're <laughs> like jesus <laughs> kill it with fire i i i can't <laughs> So um, as I go through my notes, just some scenes I want to bring up. Again, if you guys haven't caught the drift by now, there is a prom in the prom and the prom within a prom. Within originally, a prom. it's canceled, but it's brought back, or so we're led to believe. And one of the one of the things that I was like, wait, what? I don't know if you caught this, but there's a song about like promposals. Yes. I read this note, so I'm not. I'm not trying to steal this from anyone but there is an irony of this film that this town is so like homophobic and conservative but keeps bursting out into song you know like it's right <laughs> another and i know you mentioned as a song you liked but even the scene i liked was when um trent goes to the mall and he sings that song about like yeah that song the bible which is which is great because if you tell me that this is the musical this is what it's about and you're gonna have a song about the uh, the bible I'm thinking this song is going to be super mean-spirited and, and even snarky like Book of Mormon or whatever. But right. the But the way he's – and I'm not dissing those things, by the way. But yeah. the way he's doing it is like just – it's pointing out hypocrisy but not being like I'm better than you. At least that's how he's playing it. Mm. And I like how he's able to – the actor and the character – like he he decides to take a stand there and he's like I'm gonna relate to these kids, which is hilarious. Again, <laughs> oh, yeah. the, the way he's playing it, but then it, it ends up being somewhat effective. So like that was one of the brighter songs and moments in the film. Oh yeah, I loved that. Like that, I actually like. Again, I'm pretty sure that like whoever was the the camera person who just had to spin around all the time <laughs> i'm so sorry i really hope they don't have vertigo like i i hope that again we we live in a terrible country that doesn't have free health care but it's like i hope they have good benefits like get some treatment like that oh just yeah but it's like that that number i actually felt was really effective and if the musical was more like that i would have been like yes because it, it had a a stance that wasn't mean-spirited like you said it could have easily been like ha 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 you dumb fucks in your bible <laughs> but it was very much like i'm gonna relate to these kids and you're like yeah do it you can't cherry pick the bible choosing which parts you want to believe we don't do that you don't what's this kaylee has a small tattoo that tattoo And the fiery pits of hell Shelby, you seem sweet to me But if it has come to be You've lost your virginity We'll be stoning you and your family as well Or we could use some 
common sense instead When you're lost it always helps recalling Those immortal words that Jesus said There's one rule that trumps them all Love thy neighbor, love thy neighbor Love thy neighbor trumps them all And like his like, he got to sing at a fountain Yeah You know And the, just... the premise was like turning their argument on its head And it's like the most important thing if you want to be religious, to take from the Bible is, you know, loving your neighbor, being, you know, being nice to everyone. Don't be an asshole, people. Yeah. Fine. And great. And again, I can't say enough good things about him. Now, yeah. I wish they focused more on that kind of stuff because it is strange. And look, I don't go to high school in middle America, so I apologize. But the film really, like, it's turned on its head when Emma, you know, she has her dress and She's about to go to prom, and the the entire school has tricked her. When she shows up to prom, it's an empty room because they made two proms, one where mm-hmm. she was only invited and one where the rest of the school was invited. And just two notes on that. One, high school has a lot of shitty people. This school has a lot more shitty people than any high school I've ever seen. For every single person in the high school to be like, yeah, let's trick her. And no right. one, like, there's no other sympathetic people in this entire school. I thought it was rather weird, too, that yeah. this whole high school only seems to have two gay people. Yeah, I was going to say, like, the lone gay, like, I'm just like, really? She's the only lesbian? Like, where where are the weird art kids? Where's Jack Black as a weird art kid? I don't care if he's, like, in his 40s or 50s or whatever his age is. I wanted to see Jack Black as a band kid, you know, cheering her on. But, like, like that's... Someone again, another, has to take her side. Another, but, like, yeah, that was the thing. It was so weird that it's, like, even in small town... Like, small conservative towns, not even being, like, small-town America, the Midwest, but it's, like, in small conservative towns, you at least have, like, five, you know? <laughs> like, there's a small handful. It's not just, like, there's only one lesbian at this school, we all know her, and we all hate her, and are all garbage, terrible people. And you've talked about on this show how important the GSA, Gay Straight Alliance, was to you, but it's yeah. called the Gay Straight Alliance. There has to be also at least one straight ally who is like, hey, I know I'm not your people, but just a heads up, don't show up to this prom because it's a trick. I I, I was almost like crazy too over the top with that. It was a sad moment and I get it. But also when when you notice when they arrive, nobody's there. Yeah, like no one was like, um, hold, like, because it was like Meryl eventually was like, wait, hold them on, on this parking lot's empty, and it's like, okay, that would make sense that the narcissist wouldn't notice right away, but like no one else was like, like Emma wasn't like, wait, why am I the only one here? Also, again, by not centering her and Alyssa in the story, it's like, do they even have friends? Like, are they just friendless freaks who are dating each other in secret? Apparently those homophobic cheerleaders, like they were all in the same clique at one point. But once she once she became a gay, they decided to ostracize her again. And also, why are we focusing screen time on the homophobic characters? I don't understand that. Like, we get it when that happens to them, that, like, some people are shitty at the school. We don't need to, like, oh, yeah, let's get that. Let's get her back for being gay. It just, it was a little too over the top, I think. And look, maybe that happens. Maybe that happens in middle American high schools, and I don't know. Right. If it does, it's sad. But I I just add a little bit of nuance. (laughs) 
you know? Yeah, I mean, I feel like, like, another point, too, I think that there's so much misery in, like, queer films. Like, just overall, when you, like, look at a coming out story. And it's, like, I don't necessarily agree that, like, we should, like, gloss over the the narrative of, like, people who have really difficult coming out experiences, but it's, like, we don't need to add validity to their their opinions by giving them screen time we could just be like oh yeah they're they're homophobic cheerleaders great like done <laughs> like being like we got it cool like we don't need to have them in the shadows being like hey, hey, hey must destroy the game it's like cool let's just focus on this character in like her girlfriend and how their experiences because we already have a bad guy in Kerry, Washington. Yeah, it's it's like focus on that. We get it. It's a small town. They got, they're they're all shitty apparently. And I know I know bullying in school is a huge thing. And I know look, we all dealt with shitty people in high school. Like that exists. But I, I feel like now the hope is more in. This sounds really corny and Whitney Houston-ish, but the hope is more in the younger people because they grew up in, in a different world that they don't always, I mean, I know they can, but they don't always mirror their parents like that. So I wish, again, I wish we saw more allies at yeah. this school. Or let's say you want to do the two prom things. How about she shows up and she's not the only one there, but it's all the ostracized kids and all the cool right. kids are the I other I feel end. like that would have been like a very smart thing to do to just like at least have like a single, like someone else, like her age who's an ally. Because like I refuse to believe that everyone is that shitty that they'd be <laughs> like, ooh, <laughs> yeah, let's just ostracize this one girl who seems lovely for no other reason besides her being gay like did they just not like that she wore hats they're like oh she's wearing a beanie fuck her <laughs> like, you know it didn't read yeah i mean maybe maybe problem solve like because it, it is a good note that again because they're both high school students it feels very high school to have like someone who has a car and someone who doesn't and you're like well you have a car emma why don't you just go to the prom and be like fuck y'all but then she's like i don't want to and it's like that's valid but then she's yelling at her girlfriend being like why didn't you come here and it's like well did she have a car she have driven herself over there you know like that's a little unfair when it's like she doesn't have a car and is relying on her conservative mom and i guess was left in the dark about this so like shit so that was accurate. I'm like, good job. That feels very high school, like in a, a musical. You could even call it a high school musical. Womp womp. Womp womp. <laughs> it, it's funny because, yes, a lot's happening here, but I just don't feel like talking about it, A. And B, I could just hear uh, the godfather himself of the Cage Club Podcast Network, Joey Lewandowski, when he sees the length of this episode, being like, oh my god. But <laughs> regardless, I, you know, in terms of scenes that I want to talk about, I just kind of want to fast forward into... The plan, basically, which is the most obvious plan ever. Let's throw another prom or their own prom. And we spent so much of the movie where I can't remember exactly what happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, I yeah. think we spent at a lot of songs. But they end up getting their credit cards together, which I thought was funny when they're right. like, oh, let's pitch yeah. in. It's like, you can try swiping a couple times, you know. I might have some on this. This is my. I have twenty dollars. Here's my Venmo. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm like, yeah. Like I don't have a. I love that Nicole Kidman. That was like my favorite. One of my favorite lines of hers in this, where she exactly where she's like, like she's like, I don't have a credit card anymore. And like again, you know why? Because like I think we've all been there. You know, we've yeah. all we've all been there. So and then when they convince um 
Meryl Streep to donate the money and, and whatever. It's great because it's it's all credit cards on the table. And it's just there, there's a comedy in that because even some right. of these actors, sadly, and I know this is very sad to say, but even some of these actors who are established are still bartending and they're still, you know, oh, tw- yeah. $20. Yeah. And it, that's depressing as hell, but it's realistic. It <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate that there are people out there who like, you know, maybe they're on like a big show like euphoria but like don't assume that like everyone on euphoria is like rolling in thousands upon thousands of dollars they might still have to like take other jobs and shit i mean james corden has millions so like fuck that guy he's a capitalist (laughs) pig but yeah i liked that detail i thought that detail was good but also like i don't know i i didn't i know it was supposed to be celebratory but it's like i kind of again this is maybe just me loving uh john waters and like that rage where it's like oh y'all show up for the fancy fucking prom with all the rainbow aggressive lighting that looks like it was just an instagram pride shoot for nikes that's like we did it we loved the gays for a second so now we're great and i'm just like what is this what no there's no comeuppance for like these people that were shitty to her maybe i'm just petty and hold grudges i don't know but (laughs) No, I mean, that's a good point. I didn't think about that, but there really isn't. Everyone just ends up to learn and love at the end. And you're right that they throw together this amazingly cool, fun prom and they have a prom number and they're able to dance with everyone who wants to dance with each other. And James James Corden is prom queen. I guess they like brought in like other gays from small towns, but like... You know, it still is just like the the like homophobic kids. I guess like Andrew Reynolds sang a song to them, and like they they got less homophobic. So that's how it works in the real life, real world. Um, <laughs> I didn't really buy. I guess like this is this is typical Ryan Murphy with his pacing problem, where everything somehow feels breezy and like an eternity. Because it was like the the like forgiving scene between like Carrie Washington and like Alyssa. By the way, I'm just like I feel loved I love yeah her dress oh, in that scene amazing. But continue right. I feel like that scene was done so much better on the show Sex Education that that's all I could see. Where I'm just like wow, this was not conveyed at all and especially casting like a black woman in this role it does add and it just like this uncomfortable layer of being like well what are you saying is it like her character and like her homophobia is rooted in the knowledge that black women are treated like shit in society and she's coming from a loving place where it's like oh she just doesn't want her daughter to have a hard life like because that's a a perspective or is it like you know the the like one note like the gays are evil you know and like homophobia and I'm a small town it's it's just like yeah that scene felt so rushed to me like I would have loved to have that relationship fleshed out a bit more and being like okay like what is their dynamic what's the root of of her problems like what's her fucking damage i want to know you know (laughs) and like i want to know like what the stakes are they drop in briefly that her husband left her and she wants her daughter to be perfect so maybe he'll come back I don't know. It's a little bit yeah, hollow. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing. About. It doesn't like really ring true. And I love her dress, but I'm like, where was that in your closet? Like, <laughs> where was that? Because I saw a lot of pinks and a lot of like, you know, 
twin sweater she, sets, she like a, whatever. She has a gay daughter now, so everything. Oh yeah, that's that's right. <laughs> as soon as you get a gay daughter, you get a single sequin dress. That well, I was thinking like a, like a a magical like trunk appears like from the sky Ooh. and it's like oh no you you've hit another stage of enlightenment girl open it up you know <laughs> right and it just like i wonder if i can imitate the cadence of straight people who want to say gay slang like they're like yes queen work like it, it feels wrong well you speaking know? of that that's exactly <laughs> like, how that's exactly how it felt when james corden was named prom queen in this film, which was the biggest slap in the face to the entire thing. Yeah. Again, I, I know it's, it's no, it's not the official prom, but can you can you give the attention to the kids? I thought it was right. gonna be like, oh, I want you to be prom queen, and then there he's gonna be like, no, you deserve it, like in a nice yeah. cute one. But he's like, nope, let me take nope. the attention away from everyone. Screw yeah. you, man. Like, and and hell? again, it's like it being hypocritical, you know being like would i have enjoyed it if it was like nathan lane just delightful elder gay gets to be prom queen and like live his joy because you know he, he didn't get to be prom queen and all his friends died because aids and ronald reagan's the devil i'd be like just snaps <laughs> that i'd be like yes work but like no, when it's James Corden, I'm just like, get off that fucking chair in the stage, you son of a bitch. You don't deserve anything. <laughs> oh, man. Like, if anything, I'm just like, I'm glad you got stood up when you were a little James Corden. I said it. <laughs> oh. But yeah, I agree. Like, why wasn't the prom that was thrown for them centered around them? Because it wasn't really. <laughs> Like, we learned that we were selfish. Let's take all the prom awards. Yeah. If it was like a sharper, you know, like a darker, I keep saying sharper, but it's like, you know, it could have been a darker satire. It could have been like very, it's always sunny in Philadelphia and being like, people are assholes and they don't change and are selfish and growth is a lie. You know, like it could have been that. <laughs> that would have been an entirely different film being like, wow. But it was supposed to be like, triumphant being like see you know we're here and queer and gay pride and chase bank has rainbows for a month we did it the gays <laughs> equality girl boss just <laughs> throwing out words that it's like that was like the tone that it struck for me because like i did enjoy like that like seeing the queer kids reacting to the the youtube video i mean i also thought it was like you know, again, the swirl camera just bugged the shit out of me. And I'm just like, cool. <laughs> this is very like, it's Ryan Murphy. It's very obvious. It's very cheesy. Like, you know, I'm not insulting the actors who were cast, you know, to be like the representations of queerness in small towns where I'm like, that's nice that they had like, you know, inclusive people but it's like i want more of that in like a substantial way not just like a look at these props here are the gay props Ooh, the gay props and i'm like yeah cool it would have been nice to see like a gsa with like a trans person it, it just feels like ryan murphy doing his glee thing and being like look we have a kid in a wheelchair we're woke <laughs> we're diverse you know where it just like that number felt very like we're diverse not inclusive and i'm like <laughs> oh man and, and like the rainbow behind her head i'm like oh so subtle ryan murphy <laughs> like i didn't hate the movie i think yeah. that i think that it could have been better i think it could have done 
some other things. I wish Cher was in it, to be honest with you. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know. That was a, a considering, like, besides Patty LaPone, I'm like, Cher could have sold that. Or, you know what? Just have Cher as Cher. Cher like, just Cher existing in the world. Like, you yeah. know, like, oh, I heard what was happening in this small town. Because if you, yeah. if you follow Cher's Twitter... Like, she does stuff like that, and I don't care if it's self-indulgent. It doesn't matter. Cher's allowed to be self-indulgent, let's be honest. So, like, if Cher shows up here as Cher, winning film. Regardless. Mm -hmm. Regardless. Again, I don't want to completely, like, shit on everything, because it is, like, there are a lot of fun elements here. There's a lot of things where it's mostly harmless, and again, I I don't think it's made for me. I'd be very curious, like, what a, uh, I know you're an actor, and I know you, like, theater and stuff like that but i'm very curious like what a like a true a leading heart kid. no, no i was like... a musical theater kid you know yeah i don't no, consider no, you no. a musical theater kid. yeah I'm no sorry. i'm not i'm i'm throwing it out there i'm very much not a musical theater well, kid when i've been despite... to your apartment i don't see like a stack of playbills in the corner no, you know no i like... do have playbills they're just not on display well that's what yes, i mean not... like there are so many people i visited where it's just like Oh, playbills everywhere. Playbills for coasters, playbills in the bathroom, you know. And I'm not criticizing yeah. it, but oh, no. I'm no. very curious if that person likes this or if that person is offended. I don't know. I, I, I honestly right. don't know. I mean, right. the consensus yeah. online is not positive from those people, but, no. I, you know, I don't know. No, and I mean, like, I will say I didn't hate this film either. It's kind of like there's an inherent frustration with Ryan Murphy's work because you have this premise, you have like this beautiful set dressing, you have a talented cast, except for James Corden, who is, like I said, the anti-Mahershala Ali, just being like, you have mostly talent, but it's like, you want to like it, but then it gets frustrating where you're like, it could have been better. Like you see all of this potential, it's brimming with potential, but then you just get this like weird tin-eared tone deaf, too fast, too slow, beautiful mess that you still end up watching. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like, nah, fuck this. Don't watch it. Terrible. Ugh. It's like, if you want to watch it, I guess go ahead. You know, like I'm not going to rewatch this movie. Like, I don't re-watch Ryan Murphy shows except for Pose. And Pose is only season two, just if I feel like crying. And like, you know, <laughs> you don't need to watch season one is all I'm saying. I'm sorry. But yeah, it's it's not bad, but I would agree with the, the critics that it has a lot of problems. One more thing I wanted to say before we gave our awards is just as I was watching this, and maybe it's from the play, maybe it's from the movie, but maybe this is just a play invented to piss off Mike Pence because it takes place in Indiana. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? So let, let's start giving out some awards. I have a feeling that there's some favorites for some of these awards, but let's do it. <laughs> First award, Wooderson Award. Is there a character here you would have liked to have seen more of? Yes, we touched upon it, but Trent. I wanted more of Trent and be like, give me more of Trent. <laughs> and obviously, like, like, it's just out of the core trio. But, like, really, it's, like, Emma and Alyssa, they should have just been the whole center of the movie. Like, even just starting the movie more from their perspective and, like, making Meryl, like, a 30-minute into the movie treat, you know, would have been, like, oh, hey, great. We're introduced to this character and, like, her story, just, like, jukebox style. Yeah, I think they just should have, like rearranged the pieces to like make it centered around Emma and Alyssa and then out of the the 
I said trio and I say what I say, you know, who's missing. You know? <laughs> so out of the trio, I would have focused a little bit more on Trent. Just been like, yeah. What about you? Oh no. Yes. Out of that group, Trent, but certainly as we've said the entire episode, uh, you know, the main girls here, they, we needed more of them. This needed to be more about high schoolers and less about the pl- The Broadway people are funny, but just make them comic relief. Don't make them the main part of the story. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. and I'm going to ask uh, your brief in the next question because we know the answer and we know why, but Long Duck Dongwood, <laughs> is there a character whose omission <laughs> would make the film better in your opinion? I mean, this is going to be, this is going to be shocking. I know. James Corden just fucking cut him. Andrew Lloyd Webber wanted to cut him. Hollywood just needs to cut him. Just give him the Long Duck Dong Award for every single film that he's been in and just cut him out of existence. No more James Corden. If you guys want to know why, fast forward to like the 15 minute mark of this podcast and you'll know exactly why. Uh- <laughs> and I mean, it's quarantine. Like depending, I can, I can type out my own personal TED Talk. I can give you a TED Talk in like a voice memo or something. <laughs> like, I don't know how you want this, but like I'm down to just, you know, sip a little tea and you know, talk shit about James Corden. <laughs> Cameron Fry Award. And this is kind of tricky. Um, did anyone look too old to be a high schooler and out of place? And not James Corden winning prom queen because that doesn't count even though you shouldn't win it but with- ah, curses <laughs> foiled um i don't know if anyone looked too old because again it's it's hard where it's like you know my brain was telling me that like both the the main emma and Alyssa, i'm like they're not like 18 like i'd be very surprised you know like they seemed seasoned broadway so like seasoned broadway to me is very rarely an 18-year-old. But, like, again, I think they they did a good job. Like, I didn't think they were, like, in their, like, late 20s, early 30s, mid-30s. So I don't know. I don't know if there was anyone I would have said was too old. I will say that James Corden, again, looking like the the blob people of Wally just somehow was too young to play the aging part. But also, that's not a compliment. <laughs> I'm not saying, to be very clear, he does not look like fresh-faced and youthful where you're like, what? This young buck, this strapping lad, he's he's far too young to be in this role. I don't know why I'm going into <laughs> like Catherine Hepburn. He just seemed like like a pointless age where I'm like, you make no sense in this. Even if they got... Um, hate that I'm going to say it. If they, they got Neil Patrick Harris, that would make sense because he's aged like milk. And I'd be like, you know, yeah, I could buy that. I don't know if he's like 30 or 40 or 50, but like <laughs> rough. So like, I'm like, yeah, that, but he can sing and dance and is talented and is good at being an asshole because he is one. So, yeah. <laughs> the, the skulls you're leaving today, <laughs> mainly yep. the one, the one of James Corden, but still, uh, so Rotten Tomatoes, it's early, so it's really, really, really hard to say what the true scores are. Critical score, 63%. Audience score, 76%. But I want to add that caveat. This movie came out Friday. We are recording on Saturday. I will edit tomorrow, and this will come out on Monday. The majority of people, I assume, who've seen this film, who are giving it the audience score are people who wanted to see this film. I don't think it's received the um, 
the consensus of everyone, if that makes sense. Like only yeah. 323 reviews in a week, that's going to change. So that's an early score. But critic score, 63%. But Jenny, I'm handing you the red pen. I'm handing you the report card. We grade on an A plus to F scale here in High School Slumber Party. What will you grade the prom? Okay. Well, I'm going to, again, not shocking to you, but I have two separate grades. So the first grade I'm going to give specifically to James Corden. I'm going to say it's a fucking F. <laughs> and then I'm going to take a lighter and I'm just going to light it on fire and throw it at his face and be like, here you go. <laughs> Send him back to the the bowels of hell where he belongs and not the cool part of hell, not the gay part of hell, you know, <laughs> just to be very clear. That's my grade for him is just a fucking F. Whoever said that it was like the most offensive portrayal of a gay man in film, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you got it. Someone you said that. <laughs> yeah, like a review. I think someone was like, this is like one of the most offensive portrayals of a gay man in film I've ever seen. And I'm like, yeah agreed i mean otherwise i guess you know i should operate in the the realm of law and respectability and not just be like chaotic pasta man robert pattinson and like just be like <laughs> woo and like throw pasta at this film um so i i'd give it like a c you know it's it's fine it's okay you know i would give the production an a plus like the the artists so it's like it's it's fine it gets a c for me i mean that's actually exactly what my grade is a solid c is it the worst film in the world no is it the best film in the world no, no. at the end of the day maybe it's going to be forgettable i'm not sure but solid c teetering yeah. on c minus which is okay it's better than that's a little, okay. lot of people are giving this film so <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and you know, it's it's quarantine, shit's rough. It wasn't the worst like two and a half hours I spent. Again, it's not glowing praise, but... And I hope you guys out there that this is not the worst two and a half hours you'll spend. <laughs> I hope not, except for James Corden. I hope it is. I hope well, maybe. I, I hope he listens and he starts crying and he's like, I need to change my life. <laughs> I hope he does. I hope he changes his life. At least... That would be nice. That would be a good redemption arc. Like, I do want redemption arcs for shitty people, but, like, I just don't have faith that he is. So I guess suffer, James Corden. <laughs> suffer. Oh, man. Okay, so I, I, feel, I feel like this is a positive, positive question for this movie because of the colors and the fun. But what does your The Prom sleeping bag look like? Okay. Um. Well, I think I was inspired by, like, all of the people who weren't in this film so I want um I want a really plush sleeping bag like I want it to feel comfy and cozy but the outside I want to be like sequins and have it be like a a saint portrait of like Cher and Nathan Lane and maybe and like Patti <laughs> Lapone. I don't know how many people with like Billy Porter in the background just like so it's like like four of them it's not quite a holy trinity I sort of but you know it's like I want their faces in sequins on a sleeping bag. So it's just like Nathan Lane, Cher, Billy Porter, Patti Lapone, Renaissance painting in a sleeping bag. Made <laughs> of I love it. I love it. I was just going to go really simple. The bisexual lighting, you know, mm -hmm. maybe reversible blue on the outside, like uh, whatever. What's the other color technically? 
it, technically it's uh purple and pink so there are three okay, okay. colors it's blue purple pink because i never know if like that's actually purple or is it like violet or something like that well that's the thing you don't actually know if bisexuals are there unless <laughs> it's the by day of visibility when we're all visible and we have to keep our crimes to a minimum <laughs> Fair, fair. So I don't know how I'm going to work in... Not that that's fair. You know what I mean. <laughs> I'm trying to... <laughs> yep. I was more thinking about the color, the color scheme here. I know that was rude of me. Because I'm just tripped like, what color is the inside? What color is the outside? Is it reversible? And what color are the seams? <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> Some kind of combo. Ryan Murphy, you could pick Yeah, one. well, it just has to be aggressively bisexual. And you have to, like, cuff the um, the top of it so it has a little cuff, you know? That <laughs> Perfect. Good. good good i i like that and it's going to be so aggressive that it's like not going to be comfortable you know it's, it's going to be like shiny but dark yeah. at the same time so- yeah <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh man okay so my favorite question every week jenny you and i are in the magical magical blockbuster that has every single movie that has ever existed and we know we're having our we know we're having our kiki and and we know we know we're watching the prom on Netflix. Even though we're watching it on Netflix, we're still renting the physical copy because that's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> we see a sign and it says, "Rent two movies, get one free." And I say, "Jenny, go to the back. I'll wait right here. Get two other movies that we're going to watch tonight. What are those two other movies?" I'm going to pick out one of the best and most underrated films that if no one has seen this, it is on YouTube. It is free. It is amazing. It's called Sextet. It stars Mae West. She is an 80-year-old woman playing a 20-year-old who gets married to Timothy Dalton and has to, like, fuck the UN to save the world. Like, it's very unclear, but it also makes perfect sense while making no sense and is a musical with Keith Moon, Ringo Starr, and Alice Cooper. Also, Tony, Tony Curtis is in it. It's delightful it is just everything that camp should be it is the best of camp so it's like i i would go with that that it would be pick one now pick two i'm gonna throw you a couple curveballs so pick two i've mentioned john waters a bunch you know maybe you're like oh it's gonna go with like one of his wilder films i'd actually go with hairspray and be like oh hairspray because like that one is his most accessible film, I feel like, but it's cute. And then here's the twist. I would grab Twilight, all five of them, in a mad dash. <laughs> so five-finger discount, baby, would get all the Twilight films so that we, we got, like, you know, good camp and then also bad camp. We'll have to, yeah, we'll have to sneak in those Twilight films or somehow. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love it. I love Hairspray there. I love Sextet. I haven't seen it yet, but you've told me some very good things. And from that explanation, you know it must be fun. Uh, you so need to see it. Love see these it. picks. Oh. <laughs> Sounds like it's going to be a pretty fun night. Hell Couple, yeah. By the way, I, and I forgot who you got, but you sent me a BuzzFeed quiz before this. Oh, okay. So it, I it, got called, Emma. Yeah. I got the gay. So it was like, that's on par. That's my brand. <laughs> yeah. It's what character from Netflix, The Prom, are you? And you were Emma. And mm-hmm. strangely, and I did not expect this, I was Alyssa. I was scared you were gonna say James Corden no, no. and then I was gonna be like no I will burn BuzzFeed to the ground <laughs> I know it's a trash website but I will burn it to the ground if that happens 
I'll take it. Like that was a much better case scenario than a lot oh, of yeah. people could have. It could have. It, it could have so. landed you right in James Corden town, and that's a terrible fucking place to be. Um, and then quickly, I, I should have asked this at the beginning, but I'm like, let me just ask it now. Uh, and you don't have to go into it. Uh, but did did you go to your prom? I did actually go to my prom. So I went um, with one of my friends who was gay. So it was very funny. Like, like we had, we had a lot of fun and it was just like, um, the funniest thing was being in a limo. So it's like two just like baby queers in a limo filled with straight people where we have to witness all these straight people making out terribly. So it's like, we're just kind of like, this is nice. You know, I feel like it sounds so much creepier to be like watching these teens make out. But it was like, we were the only people in the limo not making out. And we're just like looking at everyone being like, you know, oh, okay, that he looks like he's using too much tongue. What's this? (laughs) (laughs) It was very like, I did not lose my virginity on prom night. Oh, but like, whatever. I had fun. So I do kind of wish I wore a suit. Cause like that would have been sweet, but I did not, unfortunately. Womp womp. <laughs> Sounds like it was a fun time though. Sounds like a great story. I feel like I had to ask though, because everyone doing a podcast on the prom in the next two weeks will ask their guests that. And I'm like, you know what? I might as well ask it. And it sounds like it was a fun time. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Shout out to your friend and shout out to yeah. the, the limo <laughs> of making out teenagers. Right. Oh <laughs> man. Yeah. I, I would love any sort of like queer high school movie to just capture that experience of being like two gays trapped in a room full of streets and you're like ah (laughs) (laughs) well jenny this was a pleasure i i'm sorry that you had to well i don't want to say sorry you said it was cathartic but i was gonna say i'm sorry that you had to talk this much about your dislike for james corden but if you again read the internet a lot of people are in league with you can't really blame them that feels validating and you know there there's like self-care that you can do after you know staring into like the soulless just gaze of james corden like it's a fiendish nightmarish stupidity you know like i hate james corden as much as Werner Herzog hates chickens. So look that up. That's a treat. That's that's a good palate cleanser. But it's like, yeah, you can you can look at like other th- like I I think I just like stared at Pedro Pascal's face for a while and was like, that's delightful. Or like, you know Why are they keeping it under a helmet, Mandalorian? Why are they keeping it under a helmet? You know, just like treat yourself to nice things. Look look at look at Lapita Nyango's like radiant smile. And you're like, yeah, great. Just look at her wearing a dress. You're like, cool. Love it. Just treat yourself. Like, if you watch this and you're forced to see James Corden, go look at some puppies after. Like, do you. Spark some joy. Read him to filth, but also, like, treat your eyes. (laughs) So where can people follow you, find you, or anything else you want to say to the slumberers out there? Okay, slumberers. So um, I'm primarily on Instagram at jenny.o'connell very creatively named that's my acting and modeling instagram and then jenny and the bets xo is like my my gay meme doggo socialism but also spoiler alert (laughs) gay meme doggo socialism can also describe my professional page so yeah that's that's really the only thing that i'm i'm on social media wise i have a facebook but like I can't really 
be arsed to like go on it and just i'm like uh and same with twitter so it's really that you know just instagram well once again it was a pleasure and can't wait to have you on again in the new year Uh, enjoy the rest of 2020 as best you can which is probably right you know not the best advice to give someone but whatever (laughs) whatever no it was fun you know yeah thanks for having me on again and yeah eat the rich all cops are bad and live long and prosper always a pleasure having jenny on If you are a family member of James Corden, I do apologize. (laughs) Otherwise, it was a blast having her on. Check out The Prom. Let us know what you think on our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And of course, you can email us at highschoolslumberparty at cageclub.me. That's highschoolslumberparty at cageclub.me. All right. Homework for Friday. Cousin Pumpkin. He's coming back. He's coming around. Can't wait to talk to him again, even though we talk every day, but whatever. (laughs) The film is Big Fat Liar, so watch it. Hey, Jason, you awake? Yeah, Dad, been up for hours. Jace, did you eat your oatmeal? Yeah, thanks, Mom. It was delicious. Jason Shepard likes to stretch the truth. Producer Marty Wolf has never told the truth. I think we just hit a kid. Um, I'm on the phone. Fate brought them together. Thanks for the ride, gentlemen. But a lie will keep them together. Big Fat Liar is already being touted as next summer's must-see movie event. That guy stole my paper. How'd you come up with this idea? Some ideas just come to you. Yeah, from my backpack, you loser! Pack your bags, we're going on the trip. Now, two friends are on a mission. Hey, remember me? I wrote Big Fat Liar. This is Hollywood. We play by our own rules. To make one man's life a living nightmare. It's payback time. They're airborne. Got it. What's happening? We're gonna jump! Can I take a message? Mr. Wolf is about to go into a meeting. Color dye? You really think it's gonna work? Go! What? Charisma from Marcus Duncan's office. Give me his address. 867 North Maple Drive. Die, clown, die! Frankie Muniz, Amanda Bynes, and Paul Giamatti. Hey, Marty, I like your new coloring. It works for you. You did this. Hiya. Call me. Big Fat Liar. We're moving into phase four. Back off, man! They told me to pick up a little blue car. They didn't say anything about a little blue man. Frankie Munez, Amanda Bynes, what a time capsule. Really curious what Cousin Pumpkin has to say about this film. And one more thing I want to remind you guys of, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. Let's leave you with a little bit of zazz. Later, dudes. When a challenge lies ahead and you are filled with dread and worry, give it some zazz. If your courage disappears, what'll get your fears to scurry? Give it some zazz. Zazz is style plus confidence. Embracing corny or kids. But 
give it some zazz. There's no contest for a girl who has some razzmatazz. So call that bluff and strut your stuff like no chicken. I just don't think I can do it. The thought of getting up in front of all of those people. <laughs> You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.